0: From TMP to TTNG For sure the cure And those tired meme jeans How it can And the promise ring Sunny day real estate And rights this spring Prince Twinkle Daddy's Help keep the dream alive I constantly thank God For Algernon And Remo Christie from drive. Mineral snowing high tide hotelier and more. Rio limo only consists of the DC emotive hardcore.
1: this is episode 36 of the e-word podcast this is kyle i'm recording in madison wisconsin i'm with my co-host ellie who is in austin texas
2: hi what's up i'm going to see plague walker tonight it's gonna to be sick
1: i've seen that band a couple times they
2: play uh, like... plague walker or plague vendor
1: i think plague walker i think they play like a 15 minute set or like a oh, 10 minute yeah. set
2: yeah it's sean from middleman who did that whole benefit yes. thing for me a while yeah. back yeah i've yeah, seen I them a couple them. times. So-
1: stoked for you um this is our 2013 and 2014 recap episode and we're doubling up and we're doing it big because our guest on this one is keith from empire empire and count your lucky stars records did anyone
2: else like lose signal just now no or was that me? (laughs) nope okay sick (laughs) keith what's going on
3: (laughs) not much how are you guys doing good
1: um yeah really stoked to have you um as per usual on these episodes, I'd like to kind of talk to you about what you're up to at the top. So um, I know you've got a couple projects, or you have a solo project and a new band. Is that is that accurate?
3: Yep. Um. So I'm working on two things primarily right now. So I'm in a band called Parting, which is um, Ben um, from Annabelle. Gooey, who used to be an Empire Empire, is also in an Annabelle now. And um, my buddy John, who was in a band called Hawkinson, but they were um, a Flint-based band. I'm not sure if they did like a, a bunch of touring. Anyway, we, we played in bands together before, and he actually, actually, all three of them, even prior even GUI prior to joining Empire, um, all three of them have filled in an Empire <laughs> multiple times. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, we started actually started out as an internet band, um, and then. We decided to actually get together. So, we got together so far, a grand time, total of three times. But we wrote and recorded six songs. Um, a six song, five songs would be for an EP, one song would be for a comp. We've done the music already, um, but we haven't recorded the vocals yet. Um, so, that's one thing I'm working on. And it's kind of like, um, if I had to describe it, it's kind of like more knapsack um, a little bit more of a beat yeah um really like it and i'm i'm doing <clears throat> we're kind of doing like a a Jimmy at world type of um vocal split so I do probably 60 70 percent and ben is doing 30 40 somewhere on that um he sings to Annabelle too if, if that um so for people who know who Annabelle is you know you can kind of combine he plays he plays lead guitar i play guitar Gui plays bass and uh, uh, John plays drums and then the other thing I'm working on is called Mount Oriander. It's a solo project. So pretty much all of my bands start out as solo projects. Um, anyway, the ones that actually do end up doing something. Um, so this is one where I'm playing everything. And um, I thought I'd do it up big. And so uh, we're coming out of the gate, or I guess I'm coming out of the gate, with a full length. So um, I recorded... Um, 14 songs and then two of them will be bonus tracks for a japanese release of the same album um and so far so all all the music is written and i've recorded the drums so far um i haven't gotten a chance to do bass and guitar yet but um and then my process is a little bit different than maybe other people's process where I, i like to have all the music done first and then i write vocals so it's kind of me like you know exactly how much you have to work with right and then um then you can kind of figure out what you're going to do with that space so i have no idea what the vocals will be at all yet for any of them but i don't worry about that until everything else is done
2: (laughs) cool Sick. i'm Uh, stoked
3: it feels good because um after empire broke up i was kind of really burned out from everything and just kind of took a break from playing music for a couple years now actually and then You know that, you know, that saying where, you know, if you love something, let it go. And, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll come back to you. So I um, was okay kind of either way. Do you know what I mean? Because if if I didn't want to play, then I just wouldn't play. But I would tell people that I wanted to want to play music, but it just wasn't there. And then, um, you know, enough time passed and it kind of came back to me. And now I'm, like, really excited to be playing again, so... Um, it feels good to be in that that kind of like, kinda like in space, you know, where you, you can't, especially with art, you know, if you keep forcing it, uh, you know, everybody can tell and it cheapens it. And so, when we were done, um, I and I was, you know, really needing to stop for a while. Um, it feels good to naturally come back to something,
1: for sure. Um, is what's what's kind of the the working status of uh, County Lucky Stars at this point then?
3: Well, so, <clears throat> when Empire ended, we kind of low-key ended, too. Yeah. Um, And just... Well, so we had committed to doing... We finished doing the releases that we committed to doing. And so, sometimes, that's why you saw, like, a trickle of things coming out. Like, that Colossal EP yeah. had been in the works for uh, years and years. And it just finally ended up happening. <clears throat> um, And there was a couple other releases from some bands that... um. Like uh, the last couple things we did was Paxi, which was a really cool band with Anthony, who was in Run Forever. Um, And that was a criminally underrated It's like really a Pedro Lion. It's fantastic, but it just kind of died on the water because they didn't do that much either. And we were kind of on a a last hurrah at that point. And and Mimi Siku, which has got members of Two Nights. And that was really cool, but they kind of stopped doing stuff too. You know, everything just kind of came to a natural ending. But that being said, Actually, recently, we have started to become active again. Same thing with um, you know me taking a break from music. just I kind of just took a break from music in general. And uh, so we've got um, three releases right now lined up where I physically have um, the records already, the 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 stuff that we're doing. We haven't really talked about it yet, but we're gonna and when we and were signing another band actually excited another band this weekend everything's all set for that so yeah we're, we're actually getting back into the you know active and into the game again so that feels really good too
1: cool that's really exciting yeah, so to hear
3: that's that, that made me feel really warm <laughs> yeah we haven't we haven't done anything for a long time because like again just same thing with the um with music if if i if i'm not able to give something my 100 percent i don't want to cheapen it for anybody else do you know what i mean i can't commit to doing something for especially for another band and then, like, half-ass it. You know, you got to do the whole thing. you got a whole asset. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so now we're back in that kind of headspace, and we're and we're going to start rolling again. I, I don't think we'll ever be, like... <laughs> I kind of felt like we put out so much stuff, just so much stuff, that um, we're... I, I, this time around, when, when we're doing this, is I, I want to focus on doing, like, a smaller amount of releases, but putting more... Or into the release, you know, so like pushing that one release for a lot longer, as opposed to having, or oh, this month we're doing this, and then this month these two albums come out, et cetera, et cetera. So it's think thing you can kind of get, things it kind of get lost in that, you know.
4: Hmm.
1: Yeah, because we've, I mean, doing this decade under the influence thing, we've been talking about all these like huge records that have come out, and are not like huge in the scope of like oh you had to do like 10 pressings or something right, but, like, right. but like I don't know talking about like High Tide Hotel like that's like a massive record for emo at least Ellie and I think And like, yeah I love, mm. album. I love both of them so it's really cool to hear that you're turning the light back on
4: yeah
3: it, feels, it just feels like the right time you know and things just happen naturally like that but yeah if we look back at our back catalog I mean there's so many records I'm proud of and there's so many records that Really are really amazing and did well. And there's, you know, a handful of records that, man, I just, I don't, they just didn't catch on, but they're like incredible records and it's kind of a bummer. And it's kind of weird to see how that stuff pans out. Sometimes stuff that you don't expect to do well does amazing. And then some stuff that you're like, it's a sure thing. And just like, it flops hard. So,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know, I, it's a weird, it's, it's weird. But like, I think also one nice thing being active again will kind of like hopefully people will kind of be like, oh yeah, they're active again. Let's kinda of look at their old catalog, see the stuff that they did, and then maybe some of those older records that didn't get loved then, you know, will get some more attention now and maybe people will like it. But the internet's like a, the internet's a really weird revisionist type um place where like some records that weren't at all popular when we were active as a band and the scene was active or whatever. Um just really were not that popular and then now in retrospect that's what people view as like you know grail records or holy you know like really big releases and stuff and it's kind of weird to see that stuff like for example um guacamora i love those guys and they're they were an incredible band but when they were a band i mean nobody really cared about them (laughs) yeah you know what i mean it just didn't and there's a bunch of bands like that i mean there's a bunch of bands like that that now in retrospect I think I feel like that Marietta band is like that too right I was I yep.
1: was I was gonna bring them up as
3: one of those bands and and, and there's like, like just a whole bunch of them I mean merchant ships is retroactively for you know a much more important band than they were at the time they at that time they were just like these kids in high school like you know trying to play the stuff that everybody else is playing and and Jack ran this um, venue. Uh, like a house show venue um, in indiana called like the cabana house and everybody would you know they would have bands come and they would play those shows and we all play all these shows together or whatever um but yeah it was at the time they were you know they were just like all those there's those kids from high school playing that and not taking you know as seriously as maybe they should have been or whatever um and actually the funny thing is we were you know we put that Record out. Um, we Cameron. were supposed to put it out. on... Yeah, and we were supposed to put it on vinyl originally. That was the plan, but then they they broke up, and Jack was like, "I don't, I don't want you to put this out on vinyl because nobody's going to care about it." You know what I mean? So it's going to be a, a giant waste of money. And you know, I couldn't I couldn't convince him because I still wanted to put it out on vinyl, um, but I couldn't convince him. But I got I was able to convince him to put it out on cassette. So like, there was going to be no physical release of that at all, and then. You know, I was able to talk him into that at least. Um, and now it's like so am glad that cassette. Like... right, right. You know, and that's a funny thing. So like, I mean, they sold pretty well for what they were. But you know, we didn't make that many of them. It's yeah, it, cassettes were also a weird thing too. You know what ends up selling and what doesn't. Like mm-hmm. there's some like releases that we put on cassette that that's like a, it was like a novelty. You know, and then so we made less of them because of that. And now, yeah, I wish that I had kept more of <laughs> those. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause they just trickled out. They took a long time to, you know, all of those things took a long time to, there was actually even a printing error, um, with the merchant ships tape. Um, they, uh, um, the place that we got it pressed that used, uh, they misread, like they misread the instructions and it was white ink on a white tape shell. Um, and then, so they actually ended up sending us extra tapes because they messed that up. So that's like even a weirder variant I think of, of that tape or whatever. So I don't know. It's it's just really interesting and I, I feel like I could tank your entire show by talking about stuff
4: like this. <laughs> so All right. But yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Super cool to hear. Um, so we're gonna be talking about twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen, the records and what was going on in those years and we've started these episodes off in the past with talking about where we personally were at. Um so we're gonna start twenty thirteen. The winner of this year was the world is a beautiful, plays whenever, if ever. Um, we did an episode with Chris Teddy, which is awesome. We got really in, we got really deep into like the lore of, yeah, the world is, which is cool because we like
2: talked about like some early memes. Uh, yeah, that, that episode is like the Silmarillion of the Emo Revival. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Let's give it a run for the money. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um but
1: 2013 was my senior year of college. I remember graduating and listening to the Front of the town of the hawk on repeat.
0: Disgusting. As just
1: as just like a very confused <laughs> person just not knowing what I was doing, I was back in my hometown and shit. It was really just disillusioned. Um and emo for me I was like finding out more and more about it. I remember when whenever if ever came out, I was like really intimidated by it cuz you know long songs and stuff so i was definitely into like the more of the poppier emo like there wasn't much emo pop but like you know like dowsing had that emo poppy record and that was the shit that was clicking with me and i had and i felt like i was growing out of like straight up pop punk so i did not like this balance and composure record um but like stuff like tiny moving parts that was coming out i was not even hip to that Uh, Because that's the this couch came out, and then like, Citizen I did not like at all either. So I (laughs) I was kind of in a weird spot.
2: Yeah. Um, 2013 and 2014 are my junior and senior years of high school. Um, and so I remember I was kind of, kind of similarly to you, I was really into like, the more emo pop stuff like like dousing um but also junior and senior year of high school were the years that i was becoming like less of an abject loser um and (laughs) was making like (laughs) (laughs) was was making uh forgive the pun real friends
3: uh (laughs) i will not forgive that pun
2: (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah well i was really into that that whole like pop punk thing too um I remember like really being into what you don't see by the story so far uh, and like now I think that record is like especially compared to Under Soil and Dirt like l- literally terrible and that was like uh, that was also kind of like a weird lull for for hardcore um, I don't remember like much cool hardcore coming out junior and senior year of high school um, but I do remember this couch long and full of friendship coming out and like literally hating it like i thought it was the most corny shit and i'm really glad (laughs) to see that like my opinion is kind of vindicated Um, (laughs) because they went on to do so much better things and it blows my mind that they have they put out this couch and then pleasant living like back to back because like how do you go from that to like a legitimately good album like celebrate it boggles my mind
3: that was another one of those bands by the way <clears throat> that nobody expected to be you know like a big deal because they were also just like these really goofy nice kids playing all these shows or whatever and yeah they blew up like crazy yeah but that that would I never in a million years would have called that for better or for worse but like I just never would have called that it's like like they for example um, were like one of these bands were like they had sent us a demo or whatever asking us if we wanted to put it out and it was just not something that I was personally interested in um but yeah they just blew up like like and good for them but that, that i never would have expected that but that's not you know that's not here and there but like but just so they were so nice and so it was like really really funny you know playing shows with them and knowing them as people because you know
2: it was just it was kind of like one of those out of nowhere things but i mean they actually managed to like stick around and become big unlike a lot of the other bands that kind of had to break up before people discovered them Right,
4: mm-hmm.
3: but I think I think any band that has like that pop element to it, forgive me if, if I'm wrong, but like isn't there new stuff like it kind of sounds like Blink One Eighty Two-ish, right?
2: Um, it, like, like hyper technical Blink One Eighty Two, yeah, right, yeah, right. That's a good way of putting it. They have like, so, like huge I mean, hooks, and that's yeah. yeah. So like any band that has, I
3: think, a, a songwriting style like that has so much more potential to be a larger band than a band that's more like you know in like less poppy you know i mean if it, the yeah. more poppy you are the better chance you have to to stick around so i can see that like that being like a good cross genre type of thing where you get like the punk kids and the emo kids or whatever and and you can kind of tie that together where it's not like a straight up like like the world is you know didn't really have that even though they had some hooks and stuff to it but like you kind of you know like free throw is another good example of that like yeah. they're super poppy so for like, sure it's easier to draw that in i think
2: and we're definitely gonna talk about modern baseball and like that.
4: Yes. Um
2: because they were they were the most either the most pop punk emo band or the most emo pop punk band of twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm.
3: Another band that I a hundred percent never would have called being as popular as they were. <laughs> like, I never would have called that. <laughs>
1: Um, I'll I'll also add that 2013 was the first year that I was like diving back into 90s emo. Uh, like I went and saw like the first Promise Ring reunion show that year and stuff. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think
1: I think
3: I think I think it was at that show. Did you go to the Wisconsin one? Yeah. I think we actually, Kathy, did we go to the Wisconsin Promise Ring reunion show? Because we got there's um there we went with our friend Jacob who runs. Do you guys remember? Keep it together. Records is like the, a cassette tape label.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> anyway, throat>
3: he um he he lives in um Wisconsin, and so we went out with him, and I also remember getting these giant ass pretzels at this like <laughs> place really close to it. Like I mean, like ones the size of your head, or even bigger than that. And then going to the Promise Ring reunion show after. I thought, which was an amazing amazing show. I thought
2: that's how it <laughs> Yeah. <Adele. laughs>
1: Uh, Keith, where were you at in 2013? Besides the Promise Ring reunion show,
3: <laughs> that's it. I, I lived at that <laughs> venue for two two years um, in 2013. So at that point, I think that we were still writing the record, um, and we were just doing a bunch of touring. And I would say that was like that was like the last. I yeah. You know, I don't think we knew it at the time, but kind of like the last like the less upswing of all the stuff that we were doing and Kathy Relic was doing. We were putting out, I mean, we put out this Foxing record that's on the list here. We toured with The World Is. Um, we played a show with uh, the Front Bottoms, I don't know if it was that year, but at some random fest in um, Connecticut. What was that called, Kathy? do you remember? What? That like festival and we played at New Jersey because they had that like really bad we, had, we were on an exclusive 7-inch with, like, all these other bands. I can't remember what it was called. Bramble Jam. Yeah, so we played that. Uh, yeah, we were just touring a lot. Touring a lot and playing a lot of shows and writing a lot of music. Probably did just released 100 splits because that's what we were doing. <laughs> um, were
1: these all, um, like, DIY shows? Or, like, was it at the point um, where yeah, it was, was, was like, shows. in, like,
3: <clears throat> venues or anything? Got it really 2013 and we'll touch on this more, I'm sure, but 2013 and 2014 is when we, um, when really when the whole scene is kind of making a jump to venues as opposed to like house shows and stuff like that. But almost exclusively our whole career was, you know, DIY space and spaces and art spaces and basements and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, that, that's probably what we were doing. I, I know that we, We intended to write the record earlier. We actually even went out and started recording um, our record with um, Ed Rose, who did like Benton Falls and Appleseed Cast and some good stuff. And we we actually went out to Kansas. But the dude was the biggest dick in the world. (laughs) Whoa. Uh, And like I normally wouldn't call somebody out like that, but he was such an asshole. (laughs) <laughs> and I think hell he was, yeah uh, he was he was uh at the end of his recording and i think he was like super burned out or whatever and we went we went there and we were like so excited because you know he had made like a lot of our a lot of bands that we loved records um and then we went out there and then he was and he actually evan from into it over it had gotten to him a little bit earlier and I, so did football etc and um uh, mm. and this town um had, uh, had, I think had, he had even flown out to England to do stuff for them. Anyway, <laughs> we were excited to work with him, and he was just such an asshole that um, we just <laughs> after like one day of recording with them, I was just like, I can't do this, and so we left, and we came back, and we ended up pretty soon after ended up recording with the the guy. His name's Matt Halday. He's a real good friend of mine, and he's we've been recording together for like ten years. So he ended up doing the record um instead of instead of ed so
1: and this was for you will eventually be forgotten yeah (laughs) holy shit
3: yeah and it's funny too because there was this um he had somebody that was working with him i can't remember who it was but he was really nice and i found out later that the guy who was like um assisting ed in studio was like a big empire fan and he was just like mortified i think by the way that that ed was like treating us but the the dude was like, I remember like on his website it used to be like, I heard that you're like an asshole or difficult to work with, and I, I talked to Evan about it, um, and he was just like, Do you know how some people like are like an asshole to you, and you have to be an asshole back to them to like, and you have, you come to this like mutual respect for each other? Yes, you know, like that. <laughs> He's like that, I think, but uh, Ed Rose, but like instead of this i was like why do i want to make a record like there's something that's so important to me with a guy that's just a huge douchebag so we i remember calling kevin because we co-released that with top shelf and i remember calling kevin duquette the day like before um you know when we were walking around deciding like hey if we're going to do this or not and i was like I don't think I can do this, man. And he's like, "Are you serious?" And I even talked to Matt, who had recorded us all, the whole time. Matt was like, "You know, hang in there if you can," because he was like, he was excited for us to record with somebody of you know that pedigree or whatever. Um, and it's just, it was just one of the worst experiences. And I just remember feeling so like dejected. So we ended up driving. Kathy and I had gone out there to make the record, and we just ended up driving home. Um, <laughs> we were supposed to be. I can't remember how many days we had booked or whatever, but I remember just, like, coming home super defeated and having to figure out what to do, you know? Because, like, recording, I think, a lot is a real mental game, you know, like, and if you get, like, that, like, seed of doubt and, like, it just kind of, like, affects your performance and he was just, like, very difficult to work with and so as this day progressed or whatever, um, it just got, like, more, more worse and more uncomfortable because I just was so... You know i just felt like the worst musician in the world you know what i mean and so uh yeah i, I have no idea what happened <laughs> to those takes that we did because we did i can't i record like because i was playing drums on that too i played drums and bass and guitar and sang on it and kathy played guitar um but I, we had recorded i don't know like how many songs did we record on drums kathy do you remember mm-hmm. something like four or three i don't know what doesn't even matter but i was I, Neither of us, neither Ed or Kathy Ryder, like even mentioned like wanting films because I didn't even want. I wanted no record of that existing, so. <laughs> so, I don't even think he records anymore. I think he owns like a restaurant or something like that. And I, actually the people, so I won't throw the other people that I've talked to about him under the bus, but it's kind of like some bands that friends some people that I know that have worked with him, and I think, like I said, have similar similar experiences some people really it it really clicks with and some people didn't but we were supposed to be the last record he ever did and he told us um that he hated doing emo records and it's like why did you agree to do our record then yeah i mean mean, if you listen i'm not sure if you listen to us or not you know what i mean but like it's pretty obvious like why we're coming to you because you made some of the records that we were influenced by and we love, you know? I'm pretty sure that, like, um, I can't remember, like, what band was it that they recorded? Well, I think it's maybe, like, Spitalfield or something like that. And um, mm-hmm. he was so hard on the drummer that the drummer from the Casket Lottery ended up playing drums on that record, I think.
2: Holy shit.
3: Yeah. You know, crazy. And I have some... I, Whatever he's like, you know, he's doesn't deserve to be defended. So like, I just feel. But I feel like if, like if you know, like if like we went to record with somebody and they're like, dude, your drummer's not good. I'd be like, it, it's our drummer. Like we will make this work. You know what I mean? Like I would be like, well, I'll just replace them. We'll just keep doing this record. Like how shitty is that to do to your own bandmate?
2: For for sure. Yeah. I mean, this I would is such never a great story. So. <laughs> Went, I, mean, I like love this so much <laughs> <laughs> i'm well,
1: sorry I'm, you went through it but it's a great story
3: yeah i mean it was and i just remember like we also another thing that we were doing is we were going to be recording one thing i really loved about his recordings like obviously cats and stuff like sounds really big he did like low level owl with them and i think mare vitalis which i was saying wrong the whole time i said mare vitalis but it's apparently it's mare vitalis or something like that anyway um and he, it was like this big, big, big sound, and he had this. It was like what the Black Elk Lodge or whatever that he had. I can't remember. Anyway, but like I love the big drum sounds, and there's like this big drum room, and he just set up in this like set us up in this like tiny drum room, and I was like, why, <laughs> why are what? you doing that? Like we came here for like this big sound. So whatever, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I think we we ended up making the record that we wanted to make, and I was really happy with the way it turned out. Um, but I think that sometimes there's situations where like you feel like you're like, I don't think that I could have mentally or physically like toughed that out. And if I had, it wouldn't have sounded good. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So sometimes it makes sense to take like, a step back to go forward. And so, but it was really, I remember, I just remember like we, um, we were staying with, um, our friend, um, Andrew from the email side project may, no, sorry. May from the email side project. And um, they were like the most kind p- people of all time, right? And I remember going back being so dejected, not even wanting to hang out with them because I was just we were just so bummed out. <laughs> I just remember going to Target after like the first day, was, like <laughs> wandering around and being like, why, why is this happening? Why are we doing this? So, yeah. <clears throat> so that that delayed the you know the record coming out by at least you know a couple months. Because then we had to come back and then book more studio time and kind of like pick ourselves back up, you, you know. Um, but it made for a much better record. And, you know, I'm happy and really proud of what we did with that as opposed to, you know, forcing that happening. But yeah, I, I imagine there's a, a number of records that he did where, like, um, you know, some people just like kind of felt forced into it. And that's, just, I mean, he, he was good at what he did. I do think he was burned out, you know. And mm-hmm. I get that feeling because that happened to me. But that's when you kind of got to get out of it, you
4: know what I mean? And I
3: think it, with the right, to not, you know, to backtrack just a tiny. But I think like, you know, with some people he probably clicked really well, and I'm sure they made like a great. I, football et cetera Really enjoyed working with him, which surprised me a lot. But, you know, so
2: sometimes taking that step back is what it takes to move forward. Oh my God! Another <laughs> one I cannot <laughs> forgive you for. It. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Shit! All right,
2: I had I had that in my head from the moment you said it. I'm so sorry.
3: (laughs) Both of you are not forgiven. (laughs) So, uh,
1: 2013 in terms of the greater scene, for lack of a better term, um, we're coming out of 2012, which we analyzed a great deal and determined was a very strange year for emo because it was all transitional and just everything was going on and a lot of. A lot of, um, cross pollinating too, you know, hardcore and post hardcore. Post hardcore was the fucking thing of 2012. Um, oh, big time. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm looking at 2013. It's not much stronger. Or, what are, strong? what are the records we meaning. have on the docket? Okay. So the uh, voting wise, the big ones we had the world is that one, Foxing, the Albatross, which a co, mm. a co count your lucky stars release um marietta summer death front bottoms talent of the hawk
3: it wasn't a (laughs) co-release
1: oh yeah because it started on Stars, and now and now it's triple crown or i guess can you like do you want to like talk about that
3: that i don't really want to talk about but it wasn't a (laughs) (laughs) co-release i'm sorry i'm sorry
1: yeah so foxing is a huge record marietta was probably not a big record for 2013 but in 2018 it was a huge fucking deal um and front bombs time of the hawk was almost like an immediate classic i feel like Town of the
3: hawk i feel like that band came out of nowhere too because i'd never heard of them then everyone was like losing their shit for them
2: yeah i mean uh the self-titled a bunch of top 10 lists yeah 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 the what self- label
3: were the on? Do you remember? It wasn't like, it wasn't like a
2: subsidiary of like a larger label or it's something. It's called Bar None Records. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah,
1: which is like they have a bunch of reissues. Like I, it's, it's a New Jersey label, and they have like a lot of I don't know like catalogs, type of thing. I don't know. Basically, front the the, the front Bombs have nothing to do with any genre that belongs on that label. Like it's all, <laughs> <Right>. like. <laughs> It's like uh what's that band called Yola Tango has some stuff on there and then like they have like a ton of Alex Chilton stuff so it's just kind of
3: yeah so so random yeah. I feel like there's there was something there, the, I felt like they had like this weird push behind them like this industry type push behind them yeah to I mean, me whoa. at the time you know is this I, the
2: next I, band
1: we're gonna beef with <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't want, want I, them to talk about us no um... no 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 I
3: mean my my experience with the front bottoms is we played a show with them and had a merch table by them and they were very nice and then the next time we played a show with them they didn't remember who we were that's it
2: yo do you know who <laughs> actually, they might have they might have been too stones.
3: i mean that's very likely it's almost 100% probably what it was yeah but they were i mean i have no i have nothing bad to say about them as people i, I but i also i mean i haven't listened to them really since we when we played a show with him, that's the most I heard. I mean every song sounded the same. But that's that's it. That's all I have to say.
2: That's accurate. That's all I would have to say <laughs> on that
1: Like another weird thing about this label is that they have the Emperor X record on it too. Uh, that's so that's so Western random. teleport. Yeah. Very, very strange.
3: has gotta be a story behind that
1: one. Um I remember this record coming to me in college radio as a music director and like it being pushed hard. Like as I mean, like people in college radio are generally kind of like cooler, so I like was like, oh, for sure, I'll. It felt like there was like a lot of people pushing this record, but like, yeah, it, it yeah, but it was like coming from people that actually like the kind of music, so it's kind of like a all hands on deck emo kind of thing.
4: I don't
3: know. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, I mean that's like it's, to me, it's just like it's just like pop. It's not like an emo record to me. It's like a. A pop, like, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I get like it's like, like you said, it's like one of those like, it mingles within the same. Like they played shows with bands like that, but they're like kind of like a straight pop band to me, mm-hmm. for sure. But
1: I remember when this was coming out, a lot of people were calling this, like emo mountain goats.
2: <laughs> Ew. <laughs> That's upsetting. (laughs) The mountain goats are emo mountain
3: goats. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Kathy, what were you saying that the um, front-bottom's vocal sounded like yesterday? A mountain goat? What'd you say? (laughs) Harvey Danger. Yeah, they kind of sound like Harvey (laughs) Danger-esque.
4: Okay. Oh, no, I like
3: like Harvey
2: Danger. Yeah, but
3: I like Harvey Danger, yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Is that rude Harvey Danger for you? (laughs)
2: I want to publish zines and Rage Against Machines. Right. <laughs> Problems and bigger ones. That's a pretty evil song. Oh yeah, that's an underrated album. Harvey Danger and Velvet Teen, I think, both get like weirdly overlooked. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, oh,
3: like, you say that, but like Harvey Danger had that "Flypole Citizen" song that
2: you can still hear on uh, like radio today.
3: You know, like, those
2: Oh, for sure. But so. like, but you know, every other if song is so
3: different. Then you know, if
2: I mention Harvey Danger, like people don't even connect it to. Flagpole setup. Sure, yeah. Like, I have to be like, you know, the Peep Show theme song. (laughs) I didn't even know that that was (laughs) that. I I remember like enjoying Talent of the Hawk for what it was when it came out, but I never like really slotted it in like the emo framework. Like, it just felt too like folk punky. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. Yeah. But this was an album. but just like folk rocky like it, it felt like uh like a seth rogan version of you know like nick drake or dashboard confessional like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can see
3: that with the dashboard reference i mean it's kind of like yeah. that like heart on your sleeve like really corny like seth yeah and corny
2: yeah for sure yeah.
3: <laughs> some of that some of that stuff is like so cringy like too much you know <laughs> what i mean but like like i don't think that they're self-aware
2: that they're that cheesy exactly i think i told the story on the podcast before but i thought au revoir the first song on that album was oh my god See, my satire yeah like <laughs> but it's, it's not. really funny yeah I... because actually <clears throat> my brother
3: so they're actually my brother um runs the breslin center which is where michigan state basketball um place and they are the student the student body like sometimes you know they'll bring, they'll, they'll bring in bands or whatever and they're bringing um, the front bottoms they're coming to Michigan State they play Michigan State I don't know when it is <laughs> um, but and they're so my brother I hadn't heard them in you know I never heard I hadn't heard them in a real long time it's so my brother played me this one song that um, uh, they're making fun of right and it's that song that was the song. So that's the only song I've heard from Front Bottoms in a very, very long time. Was that song? And this is like, I just like, you know, secondhand embarrassment. You know, like like when you're watching like The Office, especially like the British yeah, Office, I, but also the American. I thought you were album, talking the... about
2: a band. Yeah, me
1: too. But then I was like, <laughs> oh, I, sure,
2: I, no. I, I... yeah, yeah,
3: the, the, the term secondhand I embarrassment.
2: Like, I, I kind of remember secondhand serenade. But... <laughs> Speaking of secondhand embarrassment, no. But, um. Anyway. um <laughs>
3: Uh, anyway, that's how I feel about that that song. Like, I just feel like embarrassed, like for re- those lyrics, like for <laughs> that band for singing that like so earnestly. Like, you not? You just like oblivious?
1: I think that band is just like too far into the music industry that right. they're not looking for like cred anymore.
3: Right? No, I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's fine. where
2: Mom Jeans is at now. I Probably. think they can ride this ride a similar line.
3: So that's another band that I know a lot of, but I never actually listened to them. I just know people talk, I and mean, they have very strong opinions on them, one way or another. Yeah. Uh-huh. So one of these days, I will listen to them.
2: I want them on the podcast so bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so can we talk about Marietta for a second? Because this is a band that I don't think... I mean, So I was aware of them when the second LP was coming out. But like that band didn't really click for me at all until like last year. And like I still don't like ride or die for them. Like, I think like Summer of Death is definitely like my favorite thing that they've done. But it's also just like, why did this band kind of have the big uh
2: resurgence blow up kind of thing? I mean, they never really did it for me either. I feel like the songs kind of just like don't go anywhere. Like to me a big part of Emo is that if you have like a like a buildup in a song, it's gonna pay off. But their songs just kind of build up and then stop, but not in like a shellac way where that's the point. It's like oh, they're in their mind there is a payoff there, but it doesn't sound like that to me. And, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, but I yeah. I don't I don't feel like
3: that's a make or break for
1: me. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes
3: I like when songs don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that's the point of it but i don't um i know this band but i don't i don't know i I never listened to them either but i know that like they were not like like i said they were not popular and then retroactively retrospectively or what i should say um, they were right so that's another one of those bands that's like i don't know how that how does that happen how does it happen where a band is not popular in their time and then i also feel like for, for example uh, on a personal anecdote, like, when we put out What It Takes, it came out to, you know, mixed reviews at best, and nobody really cared about it. And in fact, we pressed it on vinyl, we made a thousand of them. It was double a piece, it was really expensive. <laughs> and um, it was at the point where, like, people were, like, playing shows and, like, hey, you want to grab the records in the van? I'm like, nah, no one's going to buy them anyway. You know, like, nobody cared about it at all. And then somehow, I don't know what, what happened, but then people started caring about it. And that... I don't understand why. I don't understand why that happens to records. Like, why was American Football a band that nobody cared about at all when they came out? Like retroactively, now like the band that
2: invented emo to like a lot of kids. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. Because that house is super rebloggable. Like, yeah, hey, there you good go. aesthetic.
3: <laughs> I mean, um, I, I love American Football. I mean, that first album is incredible, and I loved it when it like when it came out. Like, that was an amazing. I remember downloading it on. Napster, whenever they call it. <laughs> so that's how cool I am. But, um, yeah, but I, I just never would have called it. So I just, I don't understand. Like, Marriott is one of those bands where, like, retroactively people love them. And I also feel bad for bands like that because it's a bummer that you don't get to enjoy that when you're an actual band. Yes. So.
2: I think it's because, like, the, the internet allows people who previously would not have been connected in any way to, like bond over the things that they enjoy that they, that they have in common with someone from like a completely different country. Um, and so like these weirdos who like Marietta find the other weirdos (laughs) who like Marietta and it just kind of grows and grows as a cult. And then that cult has, you know, enough clout to kind of disseminate their gospel among the others. Um, okay but is this
1: a modern baseball thing because they had like a split with them did modern baseball like shout them out when they were breaking up or something
3: i don't think so well i mean and the weird thing about that too is like now i think like let's say marietta got back together or any other band that has it like that weird like revival of like a revisionist popularity Nobody's mostly nobody's gonna like the new stuff they do you know what i mean like you're almost yeah. doomed like if empire got back together and we put on a record you know even if it was even if we had like let's say we recorded what it takes and had like 10 songs that we didn't use and didn't do anything even if i just like re-release those they don't i don't think that people would be like oh this new stuff isn't anything like the stuff that we expected you know so right. it's kind of it's kind of a bummer that. Yeah, you know, they, they, that fans like that don't get appreciated for what they are when they're because like it's it's awesome playing and being able to go on tour but it really sucks playing shows to nobody all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> and I have a lot of experience with that so
1: yeah um, and then I guess the, the the final one on the big list is Foxing the albatross this one um, I mean Keith was this one hot out, out of the gates?
3: Yeah, it was. Yeah. Actually, um it's funny because there are very few bands that like you when you see them you just like, are just like super floored, right? So we played um we went down and played South Bay Southwest. And we booked the shows down there from Michigan and then on the way back up. And I don't remember even who booked. I think Warren from Warren Franklin um had booked a show with them, maybe Jo. I can't remember what it was. Anyway, we ended up playing a show with them in St. Louis, you know, their hometown. At um, it's just like a random DIY, like a barn, I think it was, or something like that. Um, I was just like so blown away the first time I heard them that we like signed them on that day, that night. That's how quickly that happened. But it was just like it's really rare to find a band that you just like so blown away and and floored by, you know. And they were that they were that band for us, you know.
2: Um, so in twenty fourteen, I got. I, I entered my first like relationship, and uh, I remember she just kind of randomly texted me one night. I love this song so much, and it was you know why don't you love me back? Oh no uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and she was just like, I I love the way he screams that so much, and it just like really really blew me away because i had had no experience with other people in my high school knowing who the fuck foxing were like i knew people in my and my circles were aware of like the world is a beautiful place but not like foxing um and that that kind of opened my eyes to like kind of the phenomenon that they were probably going to become
4: mm-hmm.
3: that, that <laughs> first video that they did though was
2: inc- really really incredible
3: for once,
1: oh yeah, well, Josh <laughs> yeah. is like the yeah. director, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does amazing work. It really, like all the videos that they've done, I think have been really, really nice. And I think that also, I think that having something like that, that was like an era where all of a sudden, like YouTube and um, having that like visual aspect, really, really helped out too. You know, and oh, I think sure. it kind of came along at the right time, and that also boosted things. That band just had like a lot of natural buzz. There's some bands that like do, some bands that don't, and they just had an enormous amount of natural buzz. So, um, what's the next
1: album? Okay, so (laughs) for like these ones that just got like a decent amount of votes, um, I'll just run through them. If you have any thoughts, just stop me. Uh, Touché, More is Survived by. I'll just Uh, say, I'll just uh, say this one. one. This is your favorite one? Okay, because this one was like the one that. I don't know. When this came out I was like, eh, not feeling this. And I was a huge fan of Go Dead fuck Horse. yourself. But no. Go fuck
2: yourself. I think oh, S- Social I th- Caterpillar is their best song. I think some of their best songs are on this album now. Just exist. Uh, Ugh. <laughs> like what's the what's the what's the first fucking song on this album? I'm blanking real hard right now. Um yeah, it it is Just Exist. That was right. That's what I thought. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just Exist is so fucking good. Um and then, uh, to write content, but, like, the double entendre to write content, that's, like, that's like the most clever thing that this band has ever done, <laughs> as far as wordplay goes. That sounds uh, like an insult. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it might be an insult, but also, like... It, or a backhanded it's, compliment, maybe. It's, like, it's like that, like, really low-brow type of wordplay that really appeals to me. Because, um, <laughs> you know, I also like Fall Out Boy lyrics. Shoot me. Yeah. Um,
4: Harbor yeah, is, is really good too. I want
3: to make fun of you for saying that, but I'm not going to.
2: You can make fun of me; it's okay. <laughs> no, it's here. really fine. I don't care. Nonfiction. The title track. Ugh, ugh, perfect record.
1: Yeah. Uh, time moving parts. This couch
2: is long and full of friendship. We can't kind of talk about it. <laughs> no, it's not pure garbage. <laughs> Jared Alonji has like a song parodying this album. I know it it sounds exactly like the album. Like it's not even like (laughs) it. He didn't even have to exaggerate anything to make fun of it. I
1: think this is an album that can be made fun of as much as you want. But I think it's actually just really good, really impressive Midwest emo. Okay. Um, nouns still bummed. This is kind of bad timing for the band. Yeah,
2: I was going to bring it up. Um, there's some... Whatever's going on with that situation is weird because Elliot yeah. posted that to the sub. And then in the comments, there's like this crazy long rant from the nouns dude Yeah. where he's not... He doesn't even like... Besides denying it, he doesn't make like an attempt to defend himself. He just kind of like rambles aimlessly about what's going on in his life and it's very weird
3: what you're talking about so if you want (laughs) to fill me in and all the listeners
1: Uh, um, uh, okay basically there there was a call out against Hunter the main person behind this band saying calling him a serial abuser and I think like a serial rapist serial rapist yes and uh dude from his band was basically he responded um On the thread in our emo. and basically said i've never done this but also just kind of talked about his life and how a lot of people are mad at him for things that he hasn't done and it's just kind of never addresses the thing
2: it's weird it's like the first time i've seen someone like respond to one of these things like in this manner like i've seen people respond with like poorly constructed like invective I've seen people respond with like stuff that was clearly written by a lawyer but like I've never seen someone just be like here's what's going on in my life like I didn't do this but this is making me real sad y'all and um I don't know it just affected me in like a really weird way and I don't know what like the actual situation is but like and I wouldn't even say I'm a huge fan of nouns but just like reading through that thread and reading like – because there's other people commenting the thread like I know the person who posted this and there's like a lot more to the story. And then other people who are saying – there are people like sharing their stories in the comments and it just, it just seems like a real horrible mess. And one of the first times were – not even the Pine Grove situation, which was just like confusing. This is just like an actual train wreck it's just it, it. it's all
1: really sad for multiple reasons but it's just like no i just found it <laughs> <laughs> i basically put this record on here because this was like the beginning of a lot of this what people were calling uh, like people could call like lo-fi and like extremely diy mm. emo. Mm-hmm. i mean it's not the first but it was a big <laughs> one and like, it's
2: kind of like along lines of, like salvia Path and yes and yeah. uh
1: this was flat uh, sound, yeah, f- exactly, and this was a band that was working with funeral sounds, which was the home for a lot of that stuff.
2: Funeral sounds seems to like weirdly attract people who get accused of this stuff. It's true because Lou Diamond used to write a lot for them, too yes <laughs> I,
3: I remember that website didn't Mark Garza do it? Yes, right. uh, uh, yep, yeah, yeah I, I remember like I think that back in the day. Um, I think we did like a decent amount of debuts and stuff for album releases and stuff sometimes with, with Mark so
2: yeah Mark's an odd cat they, me- they messaged me on Twitter like two years ago like saying they were going to try and get Funeral Sounds off the ground again and yeah. were like inspired by my blog and then like nothing happened but we're friends on Facebook and they heart react to my stuff sometimes so. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when
1: Funeral Sounds was going to start fresh we all got an email because I wrote for them for like as they were fizzling out. And it was just like, you're all fired. If you want to write it, you have to reapply. <laughs> that's
3: hilarious. <laughs> well, uh, were they trying to do also... like a, a Sorry, record yeah. label for a minute? Yeah, they
1: you... they did like one vinyl release and it was a Nouns record and they were and they like put out a shit ton of
3: tapes.
2: Okay. Yeah. That's what I remember. Yeah. Well, didn't also Mark lose everything in like a flood? Yes. Yeah. funeral sounds was one of like the more odd case studies of the that era of emo blogs Mm
1: -hmm. but also like (laughs) mark was 14 probably when funeral sounds started or something like uh wild wild stuff
2: um yeah i haven't thought about that in a long time i think it's still all up um yeah some stuff is like uh Broken links, I'm assuming. But well, yeah, some stuff you gotta like go onto web archive for. Uh, like there's an article about all the screamo bands Evan Weiss used to be in that I had yes. to like go to web archive to find. I, I fucking article. that article.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh. Cool. Uh, Captain, we're sinking. The feature is canceled. Ellie,
2: this is this is your record. Oh my god. Like, okay, so this is like as far as like punk as a broad genre umbrella goes. This is Probably in my top five punk albums of the 2010s, um, like I I think it's perfect. I think it like melds everything from pop punk to emo to more straight up punk rock to hardcore and post hardcore. Like it just throws all of it into a bucket, and I think it's better than anything the Menzingers ever did because uh, I think the singer of this band is like the Menzingers' brother or cousin.
4: Oh, really? Uh,
2: Of the singer yeah um it's uh from that from that whole scranton pool um and it it just like grabs me in like a really visceral way i like that it's like this really drab concept album about like alcoholism but like he's he's so young and dealing with alcoholism at that young of an age is just like a it's a really unique weird feeling um I think the lyrics are really good. I think the way that like musical leitmotifs come back is astounding. Um, if I, if I had to pick a favorite song, it'd probably be shoddy worksmanship, but really the whole album is like worth a serious sit down. Listen. Okay. Ellie,
1: I'll finally listen to this record.
2: Yeah. Did I, (laughs) did that convince you? (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, just you're, you're like, uh, your uh, your constant pushing of this record is
2: inspiring. <laughs> I felt like literally breathless trying to get everything I, I wanted I to could, say out in like I, a short period of time. I
1: could hear it. Keith, have you heard this record?
3: Uh, I have not. I, I hate to say this, but and I was saying this, uh, I was talking about this in the chat earlier. Um, at that, that period of time especially, I was like, I was really not listening to a lot of music. Um I was listening to a lot of podcasts or nothing at all, <laughs> like when, like when we were on tour and we would drive because everybody always would you know whoever was driving would pick their music or whatever, and everybody would be annoyed when it' come to me because I'd either listen to a podcast um or nothing. <laughs> I was just like you know so I, I had I, like I, my, most of my knowledge of all these records on, on them is yes, we played shows with a lot of these bands, um but no, I haven't heard the record. And it's that's not super like, cool, uh, though. That, like, but it's not like... I don't know. I mean, is it... <laughs> like, your,
1: your, your like context for Tiny Moving Parts is they were really fun when we played with them.
3: That's yeah, super yeah, cool. yeah. That's,
2: that's cool. Yeah. That, that's a different perspective that we don't normally get when we do these recaps.
3: Yeah. Um, like for, I mean, for example, <clears throat> The World Is, Whenever, if ever, if ever, that record is amazing. But I mostly know that record because we played... We went on tour with it, So I heard all those songs every night. You know what I mean? And they were, they were incredible. And I, what I remember really about that period is that was when Tom had sang like half the songs on the album. And I'm, you, you may have even talked about this, I'm sure, with Chris. Um, who, by the way, his nickname is Jack Links. Because so, um, he looks just like the beef jerky <laughs> Um Anyway, uh, one quick aside on that. One time when we were driving on a highway... Um, Chris was driving, and he murdered a bird. He's a birderer. We really <laughs> actually. The, um, the, the, actually he felt really bad about it. The, the, the bird had just, like, I don't know what it had wrong, but, like, he, like, torpedoed into the car. <laughs> so it, like, bounced off the, the, That's the, really the windshield. Sad. Anyway, um, yes, it is sad. But I remember, what, what I remember really, we were doing with that one is, so we went on the tour with 100-Year Ocean, um, um, this is probably in 2012 or something like that. I, I can't remember when it was. Do you remember that Kathy, that one when he met us up with us in Ohio, what year that was the OEO tour, the first one, maybe 2011, 2012. Anyway, they were in the middle of writing that record and Tom was no longer in the band and they were kind of debating what to do, um, with that. And I remember talking, I, I was with Greg and we were driving to pick up something. Uh, um, anyway, and we are, he was like, I just don't think we're going to tell anybody that where we have a new singer, really. You know what I mean? They're just going to, like, all of a sudden they have a new singer. You know what I mean? Half the album was Dave and half the album was Tom. And I was like, you can't do that. You have to tell people that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but they were just, like, convinced that it was going to be fine. And they are right. They were, they were right. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom was amazing. He was an amazing singer, and he was really fun to be around. Um, and I'm very, still very, very bummed and sad that what had happened but um tom had been been to a point where um they weren't able to really play shows with them and so um they 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 were at that point becoming that band where no matter what show you booked or what tour you booked with them it probably wasn't going to happen because um you know he just wasn't able to play shows so when they when i ended up going with dave um and i had I met Dave briefly on like a tour before, but I didn't really know him that well. But I mean that that really that whole album is just incredible. That's an incredible album. And it, it was a really like pleasure and honor to, to play with play with them. And actually so we went on tour in Europe right when our album was coming, or finishing up. We were finishing mixing up uh our album. And um I remember being in Europe and like the guy who Chris Common mixed our album. It, it's this he was in, you know, the the band These Times Are Snakes.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Anyway, he mixed he mixed our first album, um, because, anyway, so he was mixing our second album too, where like the job he had done. And I remember being up uh, the time difference is really crazy, and I remember being up super late on that the world is tour that we did together in Europe, and like going over edits and sending stuff back and forth and being like really stressed out about it. But um at that point of Empire, we it was just before we, had, we became like a full band again. It was pretty much just me. Um, Kathy was writing and stuff, but she wasn't touring anymore. Um, so it was me and whatever band we went on tour with. So um, that tour, you know, the world is was playing with me. So Josh played bass, Nicole played guitar, and uh, Steve played drums or whatever. But so it's always really interesting. Like, every musician is going to interpret things differently or whatever. But, like, it was so awesome to be able to watch them every night. Yeah, that album was amazing. That album was amazing. So and the fox and the albatross i have not listened to it in a very long time but obviously i loved that album so much when it when it came out so i mean i but like i just like it was like when something becomes your job you know what i mean and i was in a band playing music all the time and i was running a record label most of the things i was doing it was like if i kept listening to everything i think i would i was like like saying before i had like burnout so like I'm, I'm kind of like bummed in some ways that like I didn't listen to a lot of these albums when they didn't come out when they came out, but I was just not in a good <laughs> mental place to be listening to that stuff. But so my experience is playing shows with them and and listening to the stuff live, but not as much hearing you know these albums. So yeah, so I, I wish that I could contribute more about the actual you know albums themselves, but <laughs> I can't. Uh, and that's just the way we
2: like it, to be honest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> got about an hour left, so I'm going to blast through a couple more. Um, I Kill Giants, self-titled. This is my favorite album of
2: 2013. I, sure, I love this record. Yeah,
1: this is one of my favorites. It's def- that, an- another band that probably got popular post-breakup.
3: Yep, absolutely. Nobody cared about them when they were a band. Yeah, uh, this is just
1: one of my favorite albums of this decade. It's the emo them. pop thing you were
2: talking about. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah, but still, like, te- like te- technical as fuck. So fucking catchy. Really, like, I don't know, fire in the belly kind of delivery
2: on everything. Yeah, got that perfect pitch, like, right in between singing and yelping type vocals. Yeah. <laughs> <That> <laughs> new, that the shit. new band that,
3: that members of them are in now, that Really From, is really, really good, too.
2: Mm, yeah. Um,
3: and, um, what were they called? D- different... What were they called before? They used to be called people, people like yeah, people that that anyway really good band that too. Mm-hmm. So I think everything that they've done has been really really solid.
1: Yeah, and there's a member in
3: Great Grandpa right now, which is like a band that's
1: really taking off in a big bad way. It's a yeah. Ridiculous name. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I
2: and I, you know I'm a sucker for any record that has like hand claps. So
1: yeah. Um, Citizen Youth. I'm surprised this didn't get a lot of votes. It's a big record, but maybe I not. feel like
3: they skew more towards the like the punk punk scene for popularity than they do the emo scene. Yeah, they're the they're
2: they're doing the soft grunge thing. Yes, right, um, right, yeah,
3: that's right, yeah, soft grunge,
2: uh, but, but like is yeah. big in the pop punk world for sure. Um, this was kind of part of that like leg of the sad boy pop punk that was honestly I think like a lot of those bands sounded like f- filter.
3: <laughs> Hell yeah, filter. That was right. a filter any
2: day. <laughs> hey man, nice shot's a great fucking song. It's a great song. Uh, yeah. What's that other one? The, take a like, picture, whatever. Yeah, that oh, sounds that's like, like take them. my picture. Yeah, that's a jam. It sounds like really weirdly soft for yeah. the band that did "Hey Man, Nice Shot," but it's I also know. great. <laughs> um, uh, but I don't like this album. <laughs> we're in the minority because everyone likes it,
1: even people that are like I'm, older. Like I don't know. When they, like, played Madison, there were, like, dads there that were into this band.
2: Literally. Yeah, and I don't I don't want to, like, shit on it because I don't think it's a bad album either. But it just, like, leaves me cold in a way that, like, a lot of the other soft grunge stuff, like Daylight or, you know, Mid-Period Title Fight just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they were just, like, a little bit less convincing. Kind of, like, they kind of fell in the same bucket as, like, where Balancing Composure started heading. You know, yeah. just like the songs weren't there, the aesthetic was, but the songs weren't.
3: They're really popular. Are they still really popular? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I remember because most of them are from Michigan.
2: Yeah, because uh, they're like Toledo, Toledo. To, Toledo, which well, is like yeah, really close Toledo. to
3: Michigan. <coughs> they write Toledo, yeah. but like some most of them were from Michigan. I always thought that was uh, weird.
2: Oh, that's funny. Uh, so. Have you heard their the Easycore demo that they did? <laughs> I have. Look not, up no. look up the song "Holy Toledo" by Citizen
4: <laughs> on <laughs> okay. YouTube.
2: And it's a, it's a straight-up four-year strong song. <laughs> All
1: right. Pity Sex, Feast of Love. Love this record.
2: They're from Michigan, too? Yep. Man over. Yep, yep. It's like a cross-section of Soft Grunge and the Lo-Fi thing. Yeah, hey, that's
3: I'm a good the, band. I listen to them. We play yeah. shows with them. They're really good.
1: Um, I, this was one of those... This was a Pitchfork band. Like, this album, I'm pretty sure, got Best New Music yep. and everything. Yeah. And it. I remember I made this tweet. Just like being a shithead, but I was like, remember when Pity Sex invented Shoegaze? But like, this is when everyone (laughs) was like really into Shoegaze. Yeah. I think that kind of was
3: really hot for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's another band where like, I never thought that this band would be popular either. Not, that's not, again, definitely when I say stuff like that, I'm not talking about their talent, if they're good or not, but that's not a band I thought was like a a marketable band. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Right. Because they were like, They were very DIY. Like I yeah, have a I mean, we friend. We
3: shows with them, like at the Metal Frat, which is like this place in Ann Arbor. You know. It's just, yeah. Oh yeah, we've yeah. talked about Metal Frat.
1: Yeah, because I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just played there this summer. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was sick. Um, but like, I have a mutual friend of someone who ran a record label that put out the first EP, and they got a fuck ton of money by, from Run for Cover to to like buy the the oh yeah 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 that, like EP from them.
4: Yep,
3: and it was like uh, a yeah, very like small just, label.
2: Uh, Run for cover was just taking over the world right then. Yeah, huh? that was yes. that
3: era. Yep, that yep. was that era. Um, you know,
2: and now they're still on top.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's yeah that we actually this is not known at all ever, but like we were offered to put a record out by Run for Cover. Oh shit! With our last our last album, because Jeff was like super super nice guy, and he's like he like for some reason like their band, and he was like, but we. We were on the verge of breaking up. And so we, I didn't want to make a record that I wasn't, you know, proud of or whatever. So we broke up instead. I don't know (laughs) that we would have put it out with him or not, but I mean, like, we just broke up instead. But yeah, so they were really, I mean, but they put out so many good records. I feel like they were huge tastemakers where they kind of like push people, you know, into like grunge or or whatever, or or, uh, whatever, what's that? Uh, Anyway, whatever genre that they wanted, like, they kind of like helped push the envelope so
2: mm-hmm. yeah and he's like uh he's like an ex-hardcore kid too um yeah it started off like and...
1: what was the first release wasn't it like
3: well i mean isn't isn't this is hell like or something, Guns and Roses or something yeah. Like that? yeah i don't know so yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, both those things are true i think um we might be having him on but we're not trying not to count our eggs before we, before we hatch on that one <laughs> yeah we need to get him he's great that he's
3: talking. a great guy i love talking to him so
2: yeah, he seems real cool on yeah. On like the when he was on Axe to Grind, he seemed really cool too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, next yeah. This
3: record,
1: it uh, over at intersections. Uh, is this just not the one? Is this? Is it's
3: this not
2: the, the one. Proper's the one. Yeah.
3: Yeah. The thing this I remember, thing. the thing I remember most about this record is uh, Evan had like a, as a penchant for like crazy packaging. Yes. And it has like really cool packaging, but if that my. If we had released it, I would be like, dude, you know how much money that's gonna cost. <laughs> that's cool, but yeah.
1: The 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 fucking jacket is like crazy die cut, right?
3: Uh huh. Yep. Yeah, yep. it's beautiful, you know. But man, must it cost a lot of money? <laughs> uh, was this like
2: the peak of his popularity as an intro? <clears throat> I I, th- I think I think it was.
4: Yeah, I, I remember it being like the last real one
1: big. Was, This one was really big and had a lot of hype behind it, but. That standards. Because this is one that he had. He had oh, like the, that he, the
3: cross art, right? The cross, the cross stitch art, or whatever. For this yes. one. No. No.
1: Yeah. That, that one's standards. That's the one that came oh, out like okay. like two or three okay. years ago, and that one was like really big. I don't know. Maybe he, he was still just
2: was, big.
3: Yeah. He was one of the one that those like, you know, like more like punk,
2: like pop punky than than emo kind of guys too. That's. That's what I was saying about proper. I was like, this is a pop punk record, and it's a really good pop punk record, um yeah,
3: but it, that's that's what it is you know I mean he like sure. his earlier stuff, like when you listen to like fifty two weeks or whatever, there's stuff that's like straight up Death Cab or Piebald or whatever yeah. you know yeah. but, like, when his tendency I think to get full band was definitely more like pop punky.
2: It was a it was a dashboard confessional moment when they went yeah. from places to mark a mission to brand a scar.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and he also I remember like when the whole Twelve Towns series happened, and like he it was like kind of like a brilliant marketing move,
2: you know? Oh yeah, for for sure.
3: And Evan is very very smart when it comes to that kind of stuff, and so like yeah, he like tied himself to like every single popular band <laughs> at the time. <laughs> so, was that the one that he did with Ed Rose? I'm trying to think. He might have done proper with Ed Rose.
1: The last one he did with... That sounds like right, John... a
3: similarly like, dry tone. I think
1: Standards was with John Vanderslice.
3: That'd be cool. To... He'd be cool to work with. Yeah. Let's see.
1: Um, one more record for 2013. That was Daylight Jar, which is now known as um, Super Heaven.
3: Oh, that's yeah. right. They had that, that name change. Yes. I totally forgot about that.
1: This was a band uh-huh. I never listened to. For a long time, and then just I'd see like the daylight jar shirt at all the pop punk shows that I would go to, and I was like,
2: Yeah,
1: okay, I'll check them out. And I was like, Yeah, I think they're just grunge music, yeah.
2: Yeah, Well, whatever the thing is, I do like this record, but like the music plus the cover just makes me want to listen to Jar Flies by Allison Chains,
1: (laughs) yeah, basically,
2: yeah. Um.
1: And I'd like to move into 2014 now. If we have any parting thoughts for 2013?
2: Uh greatest generation by the wonder years and that is it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hated it when it came out.
2: Ah, uh loved it, still do love it. It's not as good as Suburbia, but um I do think it was like kind of an artistic achievement that pop punk had like not seen and may not see again for a long time.
4: mm mm-hmm. Mhm
3: i have no opinion on a good opinion on any pop punk records so. <laughs> <laughs> any
2: any pop punk records well
3: maybe that's too broad a term but that's just like that's albums like that are like to me it's like every song sounds the same and it's like it's just like a start and then it stops there's like nothing distinguishing about and that's not i don't really know that much about the wonder years band i know that everybody like loved them they're like super super popular but i know that they were like one of those bands it's like to me it just was like all right that's done all right, that song's sounded like that previous song or whatever, you know?
2: I think The Greatest Generation might pique your interest then because they kind of, like, play around with that expectation. There's, like... I don't really want to spoil, like, how the album goes, but it it, it kind of ties shit together in a really unique way.
3: I mean, I like some pop-punk stuff. I mean, definitely. But, like, I don't know. That just, it just Bands like that just seem, like, so generic. There's nothing, like... And I don't I don't know specifically that band. So I'm not like necessarily talking about that band, but I, one of our interns um loved the Wonder Years and so she would play it at work and it was never distinguishable, you know, to me. And I was I like, I think
2: <laughs> I mean I can see where you're coming from with like a band like say like uh State Champs or Neck Deep or one of those that is just <laughs> like abject trash.
3: But I don't <laughs> That's know. Genre now. Just... That's my favorite genre. <laughs> Abject trash. Keith, Maybe I'm you should listen
1: of, to, you should listen to Prince Daddy and the Hyena.
3: So I've heard a lot about that band. Listen I've never heard them. them, but I've heard a lot about
1: that. Put the, okay, people say that it's emo, but put on the lens of pop punk, and because that's what it is, it is good pop punk in 2019.
3: Okay, I'll, I'll check it out. Cool. I've been meaning to like since I've been lately, like, been getting back into music. I've actually been listening to records. Like, I listen to a new bad heaven record that john did oh really yeah it's fantastic yeah it's really good but apparently it's fantastic yeah i saw that that's john is apparently adverse to doing anything when people start liking it <laughs> <laughs> oh no okay
1: 2014 then so i guess personal 2014 stuff uh i was listening to everything this year like everything on this on this list i remember listening to for the first time and everything I was really into listening to music because I had a desk job for the first time in my life.
2: I'm jealous, uh, but I also remember listening to everything that was happening this year. Um, and I was also getting like really into like '90s metalcore around this time. Like I was getting really into like Converge and Cave In and Botch, and then like the more I, I guess you'd say like quote unquote obscure stuff like uh, Code Seven. Or that that hopes fall record the satellite years fucking love that record um but that that was like what defined this year for me um and this is a
3: good year looking at this
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, and it kind of capped off you know my my high school experience um and I
3: it blows my mind that you were in high
2: school and <laughs> stuff came out and so as I mentioned earlier. As I mentioned earlier, I started dating someone, which meant I was no longer allowed to listen to emo. <laughs> <laughs> Cardinal sin. Yeah, Keith, this was
1: a big year for you. It seems like.
3: Oh. Yeah, we had a lot. I mean, we put the free throw record out, and we went like on a super long tour with them. <clears throat> um, we put our record out. That that this is jumping down the line, but that prawn record's incredible. Kingfisher. Mm-hmm. That's an underrated band. I feel. Yes. 100%. And then I like that Braid record that they came back with.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I was
3: skeptical because, you know, when a band gets get back together after a long time, a lot of times they aren't as good. And that was a good record. Yeah. And then T-minus, down, down the list here, T-minus by Braidbird. That's the really an amazing album with the possibly the world's ugliest art. <laughs> Do you <laughs> have and a Ray story Ray? behind that? Well, when they sent that to me, I did not know if they were being serious or not. Oh. and like it's not up to me to be like you can't use that art you know i am mean, not that kind of not that kind of label like whatever you want to do you want to do <laughs> i was like are you fucking serious this is the art you also want
1: to it's a 10 inch right it's a 10 inch yes
3: <laughs> so yes. it has
1: so much going against it
3: yes 10 inches by the way are very stupid to do um <laughs> and they're really they're also really annoying to pack you know because they a 12 inch you put in a 12, 12 inch mailer the yeah. twelve inch doesn't move around, yeah. But it's ten inches is awkward, and I run out of bubble wrap just by ten inches because I don't want it to get ruined. I send it to people or whatever. Because we did a ten inch too. Uh, we actually probably, if you're looking about labels who've probably done the most ten inches, we've got a pretty high amount of them. Don't you have a double uh, ten inch? N- no. Okay. No. Okay. I, I, I've done stupid things, but I've never done that. Stupid <laughs> thing. But um I think the only double 10 inch I know exists that I know of is that who calls so loud has like a double 10 inch, I think.
1: Isn't Woodwater weird.
3: Sure.
1: I think, I think that Woodwater is a double straight? 10 inch. Yeah.
3: Really? Yeah. I don't sure. know. That's that's crazy, but that's such a weird length. You know what I mean? I just, I, at yeah. that point I was like, cool. I want to have like odd size things. Not like crazy, like three and three quarters inches at like a bunch of, bunch of hardcore bands or whatever we're into. But like, you know, we did a bunch, we, I know that we did 10 inches offhand. Mm-hmm. And I think, we had Ape Up, um, Brave Bird, T-minus, uh, Empire, uh, When Sea Became a Giant. Um, can you think of any other tenishes we did? Oh, the um, uh, Youth Pictures of Florence Henderson was another tenish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Great band, another underrated band. But like, tenishes are dumb. <laughs> I won't do them anymore. But they're dumb. But they're kind of fun.
2: I like hearing this perspective because so often I just have, like, all my Screamo friends who are like, yeah, let's do a fucking 8-inch. Like I was saying,
3: especially Hardcore was really... I remember talking to, like, Brendan from Perfect Future and he's talking about this, like, yeah, look at this, like, 2-inch record We can get, like, 35 <laughs> seconds each song. It's like, there's three songs on each side. So, I don't know. <laughs> it's cool, but, like, we did 7-inch, 10-inch, 12-inch, a double LP, double 12-inch, double LP, whatever, but, like, it's just... I mean, it costs, like, the same thing... Pretty much in the 12 inch, except you have less and it's more annoying to pack.
2: Yeah. You know, so. Is Cosmo okay?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's just waiting to get picked up and he's watching it. And he's watching people come home.
4: Oh. oh. I was happy,
1: worried you he could hear.
2: Happy Gotcha Day, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> he just
1: responded. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So 2014 uh the winner of this one was the hotelier obviously and the biggest episode we've ever done and the best episode we've ever done etc so the the only thing that came close and it didn't even come close it just got a lot of votes was joyce manor never hung over again my second favorite joyce manor record
4: what's yeah. your
1: favorite self-titled
2: mm, mine is uh of all things else you can grow tired
1: see that 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 album made me nervous about this record because i was like really I mean, I like the records, my third favorite. But uh, I was like, I hope they don't make this kind of a "fuck you" record again, because that like, because that album was like a "fuck you" record. Like, we don't want to well, make so- another one, like
3: like self titled.
2: <laughs> I think clearly, I just enjoy "fuck you" records.
3: <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a really big "fuck you" song. Um, do you know? Um, <clears throat> do you know how we did the four way split series? yeah yes um there's a song we have on the first one it's called the called the horror Rio Vane." isn't this really fast and it gets screamy at the end oh yeah that was uh we could do this kind of music if we want to but we don't want to new song
2: oh god damn it <laughs> <laughs> i still like the song,
3: but you know what i mean it was like that's hey, good you know because because the, the, the interesting thing about like our band and like is we were slow and boring and everybody else is like uppity and doing like upbeat stuff. So it's a lot easier to get people into, you know, your band or whatever. I mean, that's obviously our choice, but it was always harder to get people to care about it. I think our people would always say, like, oh, people aren't at your shows because they're at home crying, listening to you in the dark.
2: That kind of stuff. It's that one Peanuts com- comic that's like, this song depresses yes. me so. Play it again really. Oh, yes, yes. So
3: but yeah, I mean but like we could have done music like that. And actually the, like I said, parting is kind of more like up upbeat like that kind of stuff. But like I do love fuck you. We could do this if we wanted to albums but we don't <laughs> it's a great it's a great reason to write an album.
1: Do you have any thoughts on Joyce Manor though, Keith?
3: They're a good band. I don't remember I mean I remember listening to them when people put them on in the car and I enjoyed them. Yeah. I, I was surprised at how crazy they how quickly they blew up what label they were they on Who were you getting like Asian it, man or something it
1: was six one three one and then it was Asian man yeah and yeah, then, yeah. and they're then, a great band yeah yeah and then this is the uh, epitaph record that started it all for them
3: right yeah I didn't I know that Francis is on a cover yes um I know that uh they're they they blew up and when Algernon broke up they were that was, there was the last tour with them yeah. um yeah good band yeah, I have to listen to them more. I have to get back into it, like listen to them. But aren't they really, like? Uh, here's the thing I remember from them. Didn't they write like an like an entire full length in like ten? Isn't like ten minutes or something ridiculous? Really like that. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of incredible. Kind of ridiculous.
1: That was the fuck you
2: it. record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's my favorite and people movie. love it. That's great. <laughs> um, and then never hung over again. I like that record. Don't get me wrong, but I do feel like it kind of. Starts to show the tendency that they would lean into with Cody and then the new one. Um, yeah, you know, kind of more leaning into like the po- their power pop edge. Yes, which they do really well, I think.
1: Okay, but, but that's up for debate, and that's where they are right now. Um yeah. modern baseball—you're gonna miss it all. This was a record that I that was put out. I remember I talked about it at length with people I know, and I was just like. I'd rather just listen to the weaker thans.
3: and that was literally my take on this record. I love the weaker things. <laughs> yeah, and also that uh, song uh, that, um, that John K. Hampson did, "Winter Wheat." Oh my yeah, god, that's yeah. incredible.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: <clears throat> Modern Baseball was also in their band, like I said before. I didn't ever call them being really big. So, what was it that like everybody loved about them? That like that did it for them? It was like the personal? Like I just don't, you know. I I I, I well, wanna say it's, it's
1: like a couple things. Yeah. They're like catchy, the lyrics are uber relatable.
3: Like, yeah, yeah. Like oh, so relatable. Didn't they I remember like them writing a song like Calling Someone a Bitch or something and then they write <laughs> and then they stopped playing that song? I remember yeah, that, that was on the Marietta
2: split. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, uh I think he was calling himself a bitch. That was like the context of it. It was like kind of like ironic and self deprecating, but even still they kind of like disowned that track sure uh, but uh i think with uh you're gonna miss it all they kind of lean full force into uh this uh this kind of like straight up pop thing um and like i was trying to say earlier i think like the lyrics are so related but it almost feels like they were run by a committee like <laughs> <laughs> whatever forever we can watch planet earth and brainstorm tattoos i mean like oh, come yeah. on that's yeah. like yeah that's like touch touch my butt feed me pizza level like <laughs> work.
3: um, I've got um funny, funny aside about
2: them if you don't mind yeah we we played
3: a show with them at this base this is like before they were even done run for cover and we played a show with them at a, this like basement um it was called kathy do you remember what that that person's name was i don't think he played the show but like did you play with Modern Baseball at that time? Anyway, I can't remember. But it was like this guy's house. It was just like his name's house, or whatever. And his mom was there, or whatever. Anyway, we played the show with them, and I remember like they were really—they they were the opener, right? They were like really new at the time, and we played with them. And I, I remember like, like trading him a CD for a shirt or something, and being happy that I could get rid of his CD because nobody wanted CDs at the point. Um, but we stayed. We the people that we stayed with—they were really nice. You know whatever but the people we stayed with I'm not sure if this was this time or one time we played with dads. but we played at this place a couple of times um and somebody had a bunch of people had stayed home so i think it was a bunch of like either late high schoolers or early college people and it we played this show and then it we ended up staying the night at the house you know we did it a lot and um somebody ended up st- we had like a, a i had i brought a county lucky stars discography with me everywhere i went at that point and so i would tell other bands records too right um, and I remember somebody had stolen a bunch of records from me. And then his mom, the, the owner of this venue, had guilted um, whoever it was, uh, went through everybody's bags and found the records that somebody had stolen. And it was like, I don't know, three or four records. I think it was a high tide record or whatever, a couple of records. And it felt so awkward. to be, <laughs> Like we got our stuff back, but I was like, kind of like, I cared, but I didn't care. You know what I mean? It was like a right. really awkward. Like she had like forced every. she's, like no one's leaving, and we're checking all of your stuff. <laughs> and it felt like really awkward. <laughs> but we did get a record back, so that was at that. I think that either that show we played with them or a different show we played at the same house or whatever. But yes, they were um, very nice. i every single we run to them, and they had some interesting mental burnout too. Did they not? Like uh, they weren't they fatigued, and that's why they stopped.
1: They just kept canceling these yeah. headline
2: tours too, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and like I think when Holy Ghost came out, they put out that like documentary about like what what a dark place they'd been in, um, and were kind of just like going full on like describing in detail, like what was happening with their with their mental state, and I think that that is definitely part of what appealed, uh, or what like endeared sure. them to a lot of people
4: yeah
2: it was just kind of that like uh that transparency um and also the fact that i think they kind of sound like god's reflex um, god's reflex wow that's a god well i mean but god's Rockford, reflex had a chance to...
3: <laughs> johan's face
2: the dude oh johan's face records yeah. yeah the
3: dude the dudes in you to be like
2: worshipped that band so i had
3: never heard of them until they had you know and then they, they even played like a reunion show with them, I think, when when Guns when they when they got back together. You all, um guys Reflects. Yeah,
2: uh, I I think that band unfortunately never got that like that big uh, that push that you were talking about earlier, where like they got rediscovered way later. But right, they really, they really fucking should because I think they were doing like the right. like what this wave of emo pop was back during the first wave of emo pop. There was a band
3: from flint which is really close to where i I grew up i grew up in a town called fenton and flint was like 15 minutes away so we would always do stuff in flint if we were doing stuff and they had this like amazing um venue called the flint local um 432 and that's where we played a bunch of shows in high school like we played with benton falls and counterfeit when they were there Uh, yeah which uh, was like one of my favorite shows of all time anyway um and we like our last show we played we played it there because that was like our hometown venue um anyway um, there's another band called Kidder Collective that has that same feel to it that I think people, if they listen to it nowadays, that's like a, a hidden gem where like they never got their respect they were doing it at that time too. Um, yeah, similar to God's Reflex, where it's a shame to see some of those bands like that, and they'll probably always live in obscurity.
2: So, but so, yeah, that was my weird ass take on... <laughs> <laughs> on modern baseball. <laughs>
1: okay some more records that did decent but no one even got close to the hotel year and that was like the first time that it was just like called super early like 30 minutes in it was like all right no one's not no one's not gonna vote for the hotel year so i'm gonna email christian um but some of the ones that did there were three other records that like amounted like some votes and one of those is free throw uh those days are gone um i love this record uh, when I booked Free Throw, there was like three guitarists in this band and I was like, yep. and I could hear them all, you could hear them on the record um, but like it's, I don't know, I, I think it's really cool when a band can have that many guitar parts and they're all twinkling but like their choruses are still just like gigantic like it's not like three guitars doing like cre- crescendo core, it's three guitars doing like hugely layered like pop punk styled shit
2: yeah, this is definitely like Mineral Gone Pop Punk, for sure. Um, <laughs> Who asked for that? I don't know, but I'm glad.
3: <laughs> I don't know if I'd agree with that assertion, but I think that it's a really, really solid record, and I think that that's another band that, like, they kill it live. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's, that adds to the appeal. I mean, and they're very hard on your sleeve. Um, but they did have this, okay, so we had this four-way split series, you know, and they recorded a song for it that we didn't end up using. Um, it, well, it was going to be on the album, actually. And then, like, it was just like their albums are like, they're, they're, their lyrics are like really relatable, right? That's like a big part of them, too. You know, like, you can really get into it. Um, but the, this is one song that didn't we ended up not using. And it's like one of the rare times that we've done it. It was just singing about like all these like bands that they loved, like name dropping bands that they loved
2: or whatever. But that's so fucking cool. I'm, I'm. i love I'm like, that I,
3: shit. I mean, it was uh, that album is a good album. It's a really good album, right? But like that song was just so, it was too too cheesy. You know what I mean?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It was no, like "Mad like and "Man Row," and you know, and it's like gruff <laughs> voice or whatever. Um, but that, <laughs> you know, because um, we did like when 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 we this album came out. Pretty much the same time as "You Eventually Be Forgotten" came out, and so we did. a We brought them with us on uh, our our um, a full US tour. So we did like a full DIY US. Well, it wasn't DIY. We had a booking agent at the time, but we had a full like tour booked around this whole whole album. And and their album was coming out at the same time. And it was really cool to see like every night like people really connecting with them. And I, it's kind of like an odd pairing, you know, Empire and Free Throw, but like they people really love them, you know. So, it's yeah. it's, it's cool that they're they're so, so so successful. That, you know, I'm rooting for them, so.
2: Yeah, they uh they just played the final Bloodfest and like I've seen the videos of like two beers in happening at Bloodfest <laughs> and like the reaction <laughs> is just ridiculous.
3: Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. people lose their shit for that that song.
2: Yeah. So, my favorite
1: song is Tongue Tied. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: uh was
1: was was this one big for your for count your lucky stars
3: yeah absolutely yeah and that was like <clears throat> well, we made this that was one of the last this was one of the last bands that we signed that um we had done like a a real push for um it w- this was like at our like like i said like a, w- if you, you had like a top that would be this would be right in the top where we just released you know this was paired with um uh, our album and it got a really big push and it did really well it, like i said this is unlike empire it's like much more like upbeat and relatable and um i would say we we talk about you eventually forgotten if you want but like this album was like people really got into it like right away and and they felt like communal about it and so it was really cool to see you know it's cool to see people like connecting with that stuff and i you know I, i'm pretty sure that that's uh, people, I mean, they're, they're the exact same band now. That's not a, a knock on them either. They're, but they're exact same band now. we like, very relatable. You can tell their struggles with, you know, touring and and being away from home and all that stuff. So, yeah, it was it was it's really big, and I think it's still a big record. We still a lot of people still listen to it. So, and this is like, I think I feel like this might be their record. You know what I mean? Like the record that people know them so. for, and like love them. So it's nice to be that. That's home here. You know.
1: Uh, th- th- this was a huge record on our emo too.
2: Yes, yes. This was like the the beginning of like our emo being the place where hype happened. I don't know
3: what that is. In are talking about <laughs> the, you specifically?
2: The, like the Reddit, subreddit. yeah, emo
3: Okay, subreddit. I'm sorry.
1: Yes. Um, want to talk about lot of rooms of the house? Uh, you can if you want. <laughs> I don't have much to say about it. I really like that song from Marin Spitzville.
2: Um, um, I mean that's that that's like the banger from the record yes. for sure. Uh, is this someone
3: that, I, that has? I thought I I see no,
2: you in my hope, sleep. Dry. No, no, that's it's like two uh, somewhere at the bottom that. Yeah.
4: Okay,
2: yeah, okay.
3: Well,
1: uh, well, Keith, this this is a Michigan band. This is a Michigan
3: band. Yes. <laughs> um, I remember one time we played a show with them. When this, you were gonna love this. Um, they had a Rage Against the Machine cover set.
1: <laughs> like, I can't tongue in cheek. I'm so glad that.
3: <laughs> like, literally, that's what. Like, they didn't play as Law Dispute. They played as. Um, do you remember what it was called? It was at the DAC, I think. It was in Grand Rapids, wherever it was. <laughs> it was just so funny. And th- they killed it for that. I mean, that's not my style of music. And I think that the, the style of lyrics that he writes is like, do you know how people. I probably shouldn't be saying these things, but (laughs) here I am anyway. Do you know how people, like, want everybody else to know that they're smart or think that they're smart? Oof.
2: You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. You didn't have to attack me like this. I came out to this podcast to have a good time.
3: (laughs) That's why I kind of feel like the lyrics are like, they're good, but like, they're like, really cheesy. You know what I mean? Like, like, look at me, I'm well read, uh, you know
2: yeah i feel like they had grown out of that by wildlife and then grew back into it for rooms of the house yeah i don't I, know I, again that's
3: another band where i haven't, I haven't I play, yeah we played with them and i and i know I, I know a lot of people during that i think I see you in my sleep like a lot of people were making fun of them for that i remember that uh, but people I'm also really like, you know legitimately loved it too so
2: <laughs> i'm really glad you clocked that we would adore the Rage Against the Machine cover set.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, is awesome, and they killed it. I mean, that's a really technical. That band, like Lattesweets, a really good band. Technically. Yeah, like, they're really good at what they do. I wouldn't say that what they do is something that I listen to, but that doesn't mean that they're not a good band.
2: Mm-hmm. Keith, have you ever heard of the band Downset? No. Oh, if you like Rage Against the Machine but want something maybe just a little bit more hardcore, check out Downset. Especially okay. their, their style. We got a
3: bunch of wrecks from here.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like Rage Against the Machine plus inside out, if that makes sense. I don't know who that is either. Inside, oh, inside out was the band Zach De la Roca did before Rage Against the Machine. Oh, okay. the okay.
3: and,
4: um, yeah. Yeah.
2: That's awesome.
1: Um you blew it. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh this was a big one when it was coming out. Um not my favorite, but, but good album. That's how I feel.
2: Yeah, this was the indie rocky Blew It record or like the one where they started transitioning to indie rock from emo.
3: Right. They had at that point. This is this I think is a big this one right here is a real big um when people are so big labels had really smelled money. I think during this period of time um and they were like scooping up all these bands. And this is a band I think that was like a real like um
2: it was a get right
3: right absolutely and like it's a you know like because they because they have they're like a lot they had that like fun like emo whatever you know like the party emo type of stuff but then they um i don't know they they had that like they had a good marketability about about them i think too mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah
2: like tanner's cute like i get it yeah
3: i mean <laughs> I also, had, uh... very very talented band very good at what they did <laughs> this I album is definitely
2: "You Blew It" thing that was like them covering songs from the Blue album. Oh yeah, 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 yes, yeah.
3: Yes. I think too. Yeah. um Yeah. yeah.
2: Huh.
3: Yeah, that, but this, it's a good album. I mean, it's a good it, good album by a good band. Um, you know, I think they kind of plat, they plateaued after this album too. You know what I mean? Oh, they kind of sure. got stuck where they were, which happened to us. You know. Yeah, that happens, definitely. And I think that sometimes when you enter into that world and there's nowhere to go, it's kind of a weird place. Do you go yeah. back? You know what I mean? I don't know.
2: Yeah, and I think this album kind of got a lot more credit than it deserved because people were wanting, like, more of these revival bands to be big. but right. like yeah. So, like, I feel like this album got, like, a lot of rave reviews just because people wanted, like, the new You Blew It record to be big and good when it really, like wasn't yeah and <laughs> yeah. Evan,
3: i mean and evan produced this one so definitely put definitely put his stamp on it too
2: yeah and like you can hear it on like award of the year award um and he play,
3: he played he played bass on it i think did I'm he pretty sure i'm pretty sure he played bass on it because they're uh they they um parted ways with their bassist right before this and i think he, i think he ended up playing bass for the whole thing and like yeah it definitely has an evan feel to it
1: you guys remember yeah. when when they put this record out and then a year later they toured with Coheed and Cambria? So
3: crazy.
2: It's so weird to see that. I don't remember this actually. Like, yeah. I might have blocked this out of my memory because I hate Coheed and Cambria, but like
1: Yeah, 2015 they were a direct support for
2: Coheed. Do you oh. remember um did you get so you've been to Bloodfest? Fest. you you ever
3: been, you know what Common Grounds is?
2: Um is that a is that a coffee shop?
3: Um. Well, no. There's a Comic Con festival, so yes, Comic God's uh, festival. Anyway, sorry. it's like a big deal around here. <laughs> yeah. It was anyway. I remember them playing that and like brand new headlined. It It was like a all day festival. I think Circus played it. Whatever, Bray played it too. Yeah, I remember. But yeah, it was really because they were on stuff like that. They were doing some like really big
2: stuff. I feel like I was too hard on this record in retrospect.
3: <laughs> I mean, I think okay. it's a good record, but I think I think it does feel more like you know, hey, we're trying to be. Take us seriously now when we were always before, like a, you know what I mean, like a, like action, we're having fun, band. you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. So a weird is kind of a weird, definitely kind of a weird feel, I think, because of that. And I think because Evan produced it, and like <clears throat> Evan does Evan really well, but um, it's always strange to me when like one artist puts their touch on another artist, and you can really clearly you know, feel it and see it.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. the next you blew it record that they did sounded just like the Into It Over It record that came out that year too.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think
3: he he might have produced that one too. Yeah. So I mean that I just me personally as an artist, like I think I was always resistant to anybody like like Evan wanted to work with us, for example. And I like Evan, don't get me wrong, but I just I didn't want. I was kind of like bullheaded. I think at the time maybe I might be different if I made a record now but I was like no dude like I wrote the song this is how it's going to be you know what I mean And I think you have to be more able to be more receptive to that but if you aren't it can be you know it can also come up with those problems or not problems I guess but like that result you know
2: mm-hmm. right cool not... we gotta speed through these next couple ones Yeah. Huh?
1: alright Uh, so these ones didn't get many votes but they're worth talking bum, about. Bum. <laughs> but there's some big-ass records on this list, too. It's weird. But just that just shows, like...
2: How uh, much people love Home Like No Place Was There. Exactly.
3: That album, like, oh, man. People just... people just, That was like a... Everybody just loved it. And yeah, nothing
2: else mattered fun. that year. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Uh,
1: Medium Mediumship. This is the one that sounds like a brand-new worship record. I don't feel it.
2: this one ain't at chief
3: (laughs) uh yeah i i don't i actually didn't listen to this record i think i was just in that still not listening to music thing and it's wild to me that they're still a band i think it's still cool but we were supposed to go on tour with them and then our drummer quit at the last minute and, and we had to bail on that tour no, like a whole U.S. tour. Oh.
1: <laughs> Jeez, yeah, they don't Shit. they like only get to tour during the summer because they're like teachers. Yeah, I think
3: yeah, I think some of our teachers. Yeah, that's tight. That's cute. Yeah, <laughs> they <laughs> cool I, It's cool that they're still doing it. I think uh, uh, when when Empire ended, I think I really wanted to end it because we wouldn't be a band in the same capacity. But I think it's cool that they're like, yeah, we're gonna do whatever we want to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Moose blood. I'll keep you in mind. Uh, from time to time, I think is the full title. I um, have never listened to this band before.
3: Aren't they from the UK? Yeah, this I is like a, play pop- a show Hunter. with
2: them. <laughs> <laughs> That's my
3: context to them. And then they were kind of. I you can say they were, about any band on the list. <laughs> I know, right? But their reputation was that they were really, in, I think, like in love with themselves.
2: One, well, they're garbage too. Like they have a habit of having members that like sext sixteen year old girls. Oh, what's that um, band? yeah it was oh. moose blood Good it again. yeah 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 and re- yeah the, just all around i'm not a fan of like this band or the people in it <laughs>
1: okay um i think that was a no sleep record so i think that, that that was one of their big ones um that makes sense yeah yeah because i remember seeing pictures of a lot of pictures on instagram of Young kids with uh, moose blood flags. Remember when that was a big thing?
3: Yeah, that was so yeah. big for a minute.
2: Wall flags. Oh, um, and
3: then that got replaced by enamel pins. Yeah, <laughs> that's
4: yeah,
2: how that. You happened. know what I just? You know what I just remembered about this band that like is like really ironically fitting in retrospect is they have like that shirt where it's like the kid lying in bed and in the in like on his wall he has like a poster of Deja Antendu.
4: <laughs> oh,
2: that's. Like, that's like really layered. If if <laughs> if you really want to date your band, do something like that. I mean, it's just like I'll do it. a sketchy band <laughs> with merch that references another sketchy band.
3: Yeah. yeah. What if what if yeah. just came out with a new thing and we just had all of those things in the t shirt? <laughs> oh, Here are yeah. the bands we support. <laughs> just put all the bands. <laughs> <laughs> if you like these bands, you like us.
1: Oh, Um, Prawn Kingfisher. Man, this
3: album fucking rocks. So good. That band is so talented too. That's another band that I feel like never got enough. You know, they're like Appleseed Cast, but like, um, just I mean, like an update of yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Because Appleseed Cast is incredible. So I don't, you know, do the ad, yeah, yeah, but yeah, incredible band, and I wish that they had gotten more, more love.
2: Yeah, yeah. The Appleseed Cast like uh, comparison is really, really apt, but I feel like. They do it in, like, not a more compressed way, but a more, like, uh, lay, like a little bit of, like, a harder edge. Yeah. Know? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, like you said, I think it's a much—it's more updated modern apsley Cast. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that Apple Cast is somehow still a band. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, they're still they're still apparently, like, killing it, too. <laughs> well,
3: it's Chris <laughs> and a bunch of other people.
2: Yeah. Not oh, that okay.
3: I have—that's not that, the, A, that's a bad thing, because, I mean, Empire ended up being that for a while, too, so—
1: Um, yeah, I've always been surprised by how not calling them unpopular, but like I feel like people are yeah, yeah, but like but like people online ride for them, but like I don't think Prawn's ever done like much in the way of like a headline tour or anything like that, you know?
3: I mean they did just like us, they did a bunch of DIY touring. Yeah. They played some shows with Jimmy World, and that's awesome. Oh really? That is yeah.
1: That's cool.
3: I would love to do that. If you got uh, some context with Jimmy at World, go ahead. And...
2: I mean, apparently you can just tweet it at him. I know,
3: right? <laughs> Isn't that what, uh, what Somo said? The Sinai
1: Vessel. The Sinai Vessel.
3: The Sinai vessel, it, yeah. Sinai it vessel. Oh. yeah. I should start bugging all my. i uh, bug them and Death Cab and Bony Bear. <laughs> hey, guys. You want to be play a show with a band that's not a band anymore?
1: <laughs> um. Tiger's Jaw Charmer. I remember when this album leaked, and then they just put it out because it leaked so early.
3: That was the days that that really mattered. But I don't think that matters that much anymore. Not anymore. No. I think that was the turning point. Yeah, that band is massive too. Massive. Yeah, and that that was a band that people were like, they're not going to be able to survive when they change the singers, and everybody thought they were not a band anymore, and then they were a band, and they're still huge.
1: That was like really messy. Like it was like. The guy's on this record, but he's not in the band now.
3: Right. And isn't yeah. he doing, like, what is he doing, like, rap stuff or something? I don't know. I don't, I don't Faze, yeah, yeah. Does,
2: like a phase, yeah. He does, like, an emo trap thing. Yeah. He's,
3: like, but he's, like, the best one at it.
2: Um, in my opinion. As, I mean, like, R.I.P. Little Pete. He's the best living one at it. Maybe. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh,
3: I don't care if we speak Little dead. The little Pete was so bad. When, when you're talking about nice that. nice having
4: you like, on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I burned burn bridge after bridge down. No, like, I remember, like, I remember uh, he did, sampled Mineral. Right. Do you remember that? And yes. the Mineral was like, what? what's happening with this? And he was just
2: like, ah, this is so weird.
3: Why? What happened? What a strange thing. Yeah, I, that's, that's, not, that's not my genre.
2: I just remember people sending him to me being like, oh, you're going to fucking hate this so much. And I ended up loving it. Maybe because of that. <laughs> Uh, um yeah uh what's the next record we got we got a <laughs> yeah
1: tiny <laughs> moving parts pleasant living um i think mm. this like came out like the same day as like kingfisher and it was just like a good i don't know it was like a cool wave because like a lot of these email albums are coming out at once it was like it was like all in one summer and shit uh but yeah this is my first thing with tiny moving
2: parts and i really liked it okay i mean uh... I think this record is fine. It's better than this couch, but it's not as good as Celebrate. My opinion on Tiny Moving Parts is apparently very weird. <laughs> I don't think
3: it is. I think that a lot of people have that opinion.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I think that, I think what people, when they talk about Tiny Moving Parts, they talk about A, they're very nice. Then B, of course, the whole Dylan sex thing, whatever that is. I don't know that much about it because I haven't been paying attention for a long time. <laughs> but I know enough to know that there was a controversy with that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then also that he's really good at guitar. They're really good at, but that's like what they're known for. I don't know if they're known for like having good songs per se or anything like that. When you talk to people about it, they're like, wow, this that's dude's very crazy fair. A <laughs> you know?
1: Also, I think everyone knows that their lyrics are bad.
3: Oh
2: yeah. Yeah. They were always that way too. That never <laughs> changed. Same with Joyce Manor. Just like very bad lyrics. Yeah.
1: Um, I know nothing I know hardly any, anything about this band's sport, but Bon Voyage is a semi big record. And this is just the thing where there was a million bands. There was a sport, a sport with a period, and then sports.
3: Yeah, that's very confusing. And I also I was... do any of these bands actually like sports? Or are they just
2: <laughs> I mean just... Mike Kinsella actually likes football, so I get yeah, yeah, I'm
3: I'm like I'm a, like like I don't know if you've seen this, but my condition Empire Empire getting back together is for the Lions to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm literally watching a preseason game right now. I'm super into it but it's just really weird that like all these people because being like a fan of sports at least when now when we were a banned it was like this like sh- shameful thing for a lot of kids like I can't admit that like sports and, I, and it would be funny when I would like talk about it and then some people would be like like oh my God, I can talk about this with somebody. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny thing. I, I'm a huge sports guy, but yeah, it's totally fine if they don't. But it's just kind of funny to call your 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 band after something and not like it at all.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, sport are from France. Yeah. Oh, that's this band. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. the context of which sport. I know what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. This record was
1: pretty good. Yeah, it was. Um, you ever uh, play a show with them, Keith? Uh, I
3: don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. But I don't know. It's possible.
1: <laughs> uh, Pianos become the teeth. Keep you. This was when they were losing me as a fan.
2: Yeah, I we've kind of I feel like we've talked about this one ad nauseum, but yes, like
1: yes, because they've because they've had a lot of records on our lists and stuff.
2: Yeah, this is like their big room indie moment.
1: Every, uh Empire Empire, you will eventually be forgotten. Trash,
3: move on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is my favorite
1: release from Empire Empire.
3: Thank you. It was an alienating release to a lot of people because of my know. lyrics. Because I was of like, the way really? Well, yeah. I think okay, because a lot of li- people like for the first Imperial, for example, um, I think a lot of people, you know, it's it's more vague. Like it could be about anybody or anything. Like a lot of people think that the album is about like a bad relationship, like a romantic relationship. It's actually about. It's actually about like bandmates. Okay. Mostly like <laughs> about band names or whatever, but but anyway, because um, I was always I, I've been very fortunate. My wife is amazing, and we started going out when uh, I was like a, a sophomore in high school, and she was like a junior. So we've been together for a very long time. Um, so all those songs are never about like you know bad love or whatever. But anyway, um, this this album is so incredibly literal. Like I was really into writing very very literal lyrics, right? And I think that some people had a hard time with that. Like a really hard time relate because it because you can't relate to it if it's very specifically about something that you know
2: what i mean see i've always felt the opposite i always feel like the more specific something is the easier it is for me to relate to it because like when you're that specific you kind of evoke the broader feeling
3: that's what i was going for. what i wanted to do my my goal on that album was
2: to paint a picture that you could just place
3: yourself into it you know what i mean but i think yeah. that's why it was like a real like some people really liked it and some people really did not like it for that reason. And that wasn't because of anything else. It wasn't because of the music, but it was because of the lyrics. Um, I mean, I, I really liked it. I really liked doing that. Um, I think for the new stuff, it's going to be scaled back a little bit, a little bit, not, not as hyper specific, but like, um, yeah, it was interesting to see people's reactions to that. And I think the biggest problem that we had, and we knew this and there was no way to avoid it is that because there was such a long time, between the two records coming out, or full-lengths coming out, that the expectations were not going to be ever met. Do you know what I mean? For some yeah. people, yeah. It's so it's kind we of like just... when
1: rappers are always doing mixtapes between albums.
3: Right. Yes, we did a stupid. We probably did like. Two or three albums worth of songs in between. Them. Yeah, we, we had 50 songs as a band, over 50 songs as a band, and only two full lengths, which is really stupid. But that is <laughs> what we did, and I would do it differently if I could now. But it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so like, I think that that if you are a casual fan though, and the last thing that you listened to was "What It Takes," and then you listen to you eventually forgotten, it's very different. You know what I mean? as far as like a, the progression of a band.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think they both kind of stand as like statements of purpose and make sense from like kind of just the sonic evolution standpoint, you know, like you can see like this band would become that band in four years.
3: Yeah. When I, 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 you know, I think that because I was in the band, I knew like, if you had listened to like the EPs and the splits, it looked like a logical next move. But if you hadn't listened to, you'd only listen to what it takes, and then move to that. To me, I think that also kind of shocked people too. But I mean, it did. I mean, it still. I mean, like it sold really well. Um, and people, some people really liked it, and some people didn't. You know, I mean, I think that sometimes as a musician, you you know, the vocal people who don't like something are more. Um, you know one person can say something bad and a hundred people can say something good and then you you know You focus more on the the one bad person or whatever, but like Uh, you know, I I think that also I made it as a somebody who was like in his early 30s or whatever and I don't know If you're like a teenager if if they could relate to it or not, I don't know. I don't know Maybe I'm projecting on that, you know
2: I related to it as a teenager
3: well, that feels, good. that feels good. I mean, that's important. I really, I really—that's important. I wanted to, I like I said, but I don't know. I don't know. I just read. I have read some things online that are very unflattering, and read some things that are flattering. It was like another mixed thing. And so, hey, maybe in ten years people will like the album. Maybe not.
2: <laughs> I love when people talk shit about this podcast. It fuels me. <laughs> it <laughs> ruins me. Right?
3: It's a—it's a, a weird thing though, and you can't—you have to like after a while. Um, I. I can read reviews and i'm I'm like oh i'm happy that it's a good review or if it's a bad review you just have to kind of disassociate from it because you can't you know you're writing music for you you're not right you hope the other people like it but you know people are going to love things or, or not love things and you kind of don't have any control over that so you know once it's out there you gotta like when we got bad reviews and stuff it's just like or good reviews like i said like either or you just kind of got to be like okay you know that's just keep going with it, not like, not let it affect you. Because there are some people that, like, I, I saw, like, they would get a bad review and then they would get like in a personal beef with somebody. But like, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. You mm-hmm. know, that's totally a, 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 up, to, up to you. But don't look like a an idiot by like calling somebody out on that. You know? Yeah, for sure. But yeah. I really liked it, and I, I thought it was it was cool. <clears> it was a cool. way. To, and like, I don't know how familiar you guys are with it, but the last album. The last song in the last album is like a real. It was a real hint that we are not going to be a
2: band anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like, think I caught that. Po- that. We're well, gonna have to re-listen. Yeah. Well,
3: at, at at that point, I was touring all the time, and we were borrowing people. And then it was, and Kathy had like at that point had a full-time job and like she was writing stuff, with it, but she wasn't touring as much with it. It was just like lonely being on the road and that kind of stuff and like going through different members and you can never really sound tight. If you have different people you're borrowing every single time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it was, it was, it was taxing that way. Um, um, it it was hard to keep going for that kind of stuff. But actually uh, another Easter egg is I I love to put Easter eggs and things. And if you hold the vinyl record out to it, um, there's you know how records come up like etching on the inside yes. of it mm-hmm. you should look at that and see if you can see there's some, oh, another kind of sign that we were <laughs> kind of coming to an end Hell yeah like i mean we put the record out and, and my my, exp- my hope was that it would do really well and we could keep doing it et cetera, et cetera. but um kind of knew mentally in the back of my back of my head that it was probably going to be the last thing that we did so
2: all right that was interesting yeah
1: Uh, two more things and not many minutes left. Braid's No Coast has no right to be this good of a comeback album. It's so so good. It's it's really
4: good.
2: Yeah, I said this before. They were so ahead of the curve with their original shit that bands in 2014 were still trying to catch up to the stuff they did in the 90s. And then they came out with No Coast, which was so far again ahead of the curve that people are going to be playing catch up with it 20 years from now yeah uh, i
3: don't understand why nobody cared about this record
2: it was so good i know oh i thought tons of people loved this record uh, but, i i don't know I, I felt like people just didn't like
3: they were kind of mad on it
4: uh,
2: my impression was totally different i
1: think like i think like I washed was up emo was stoked though, on it but <laughs> i don't think like kids in the kids in the streets were like oh braid man right braid like back, i was baby. so for
3: example i was like so jealous that Top Shelf put that out, and we didn't put it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they because uh, it was like a big get. They did that EP,
1: like oh yeah, it was 20- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they did like a twenty
3: twelve or something EP, uh, and it was whack. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that's right. Because people were really bummed about that, but this one was like a real return to form. Yes. Yeah, and uh, progressing it too. Yeah, it,
1: closer it, to Closed, It was on Polyvinyl.
3: That's right. Yes, it was to I forgot about that. That was a weird release comparatively to the rest of their stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's why yeah.
1: I wasn't psyched about it, uh, right? But then it came out, and I was like, "Oh fuck, this is good." I mean,
3: and maybe that's why. Like, I don't think it was like people were maybe as excited about it because that closer to Closed had come out.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I totally, for- I hundred percent forgot that it existed until this very moment. Wow. <laughs> But Braid is an incredible band. I mean, yeah. and Bob Banana is such a good vocal, and, they, and the interplay that they have between the two. It's oh a yeah, good band. sure. Oh my god! And the drumming, nope. everything is good about it. Drumming, bass, everything. Uh, that was our the drummer that we used for that we had for a really long time, who was the permanent member, despite not report, only re, appearing on a couple releases. Uh, John Seinhoff was his favorite drummer was Damon from uh, Braid, and man, that guy is such a good drummer.
1: Okay, I found the Pitchfork review for closer to closed it got a 2.8 from Ian Cohen <laughs> yeah and the tagline oh. is the influential 1990s illinois band is back longtime fans will be crying for the wrong reasons
3: yes yes I remember, yeah it has such a negative yeah I, yeah I think that that yeah that definitely stained stained like um yeah anything new coming out because people were just and it was also weird that they did that balance and composure split too
4: mm-hmm
1: I wonder, like, what kind of management or some kind of shit put that together, because it doesn't seem, I don't know, it's weird.
3: Well, I'm guessing, I'm guessing what it is, it's like, you know, they probably weren't paying attention as much about that stuff. I mean, i would known Bob for a while, but they probably weren't, like, knowing about paying attention to that stuff as much, and it's probably like, hey, this band's popular, and if you put out a song with them or whatever, like, people will listen to you as well. And they're like, oh, and they, they're probably like, oh, they like your band, too, so it seemed probably like oh. a win-win.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um and then the last thing that we're talking about, which we've already talked about a little bit, is Brave Bird T minus Gesture. Um, yeah, it, I found about this band after they broke up. I think I found out of album because their little Elephant Session that's really fucking great. Um, yeah, R.I.P. Brave Bird. I love this
2: band. They're another sick, perennially underrated band for sure. Do you? What do you guys feel about the first album? Love it. Absolutely adore it.
3: So here's a little story about that. Um, they recorded, they, re- they self recorded their EP and it was real lo fi, like real yeah. lo fi.
4: Yeah. And
3: I was like, I'll put out your record, but you guys should go to a studio. And I was like, I don't care where you go, but if you want to go to my guy, you know, like he does a really good job because they're also from Michigan too. <clears throat> um, and, and they went to my guy, Matt Halliday, and I think Matt did a really good job, but they, I don't think they, they just didn't have a good time in the studio. And this is well documented from both parties, but like, as far as like Brave Bird goes, I think that they've never been like a real studio and they're used to doing things the way that they did it. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, this album they recorded by themselves and you can tell because they feel so much more comfortable. I think it doesn't sound as good. Sonically, like the audio recording doesn't sound as good as their album, but like it's, it just, they really grew into their own as a band for this album. I think it's really, really solid. Mm
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I I like everything they ever did. I think this band like will never get enough love.
3: I mean, the, the knock on them always, obviously. I signed them and and love them, and and I I I think that the, especially this particular album, like that the, they like that they grew into, was really good. But everybody was always like, oh, they're like a brand new rip off band, which a lot of bands were doing at the time. So that was like the knock on them, but I think that they really. They really, I mean, like, especially with but first album is really good, but this this particular album is just so, like, I don't know, they just really, like, matured and came into this, like, came into their own. This is so, so good, yeah. Yeah. Rekindle and all these songs, and just thinking about it now, I'm like, <laughs> even the ugliness of the album is, is appealing. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It's, like, so yeah. bad. It's kind of amazing. It's, like, it takes, it takes a lot of guts to do something so ugly. You Know and just like be like, whatever, this is what we're doing. And like, Chris is like s- super talented, um, so he's done other bands like that that nobody cared about after this. Like, Senpai was really good, um,
1: oh yeah, um, and I totally yeah, and, forgot about that band. Yep.
3: And then so Mike good. joined, um, Mike joined Dowsing, anyway. They, I mean, they're all really good, <laughs> um, it's just a yeah, it just didn't get enough love. That's another one of those bands where I think people look back on it and are like, why didn't people love this band? And they deserved
2: it too. All right. All right. That's 2013
1: and 2014. And I have
2: one last 2014 album. What is it? <laughs> just real quick. I have restricted myself to only one extra album per year. But uh, the the final Punch album came out this year on Death Wish. Oh, uh, it did. They don't have to believe. Oh, my God. Reignited my interest in hardcore immediately. Fucking fantastic album. Kind of rides the line of like... Power violence and uh, screamo and straight up hardcore and it's just perfect. But yeah, that's it.
1: <gasps> cool. All right, Keith, thanks so much for taking some
2: time to talk yeah, to us. Yeah, thanks
3: for having me. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, you yeah. were really warm and familiar, like mm-hmm. immediately. So it was just like real chill, laid back vibe, and I enjoyed it a lot. Thank it's you.
3: then I successfully fooled
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> um, really excited to hear about your projects and uh and the label coming back um definitely keep in touch if you want to
3: yeah absolutely i've got a uh i've got after the podcast ends i'll i'll email you guys some pretty interesting exclusive information that will hopefully drive all of
4: your listeners nuts to not know (laughs) hell yeah. (laughs) yeah